Hey, it's Tardy to the party. Uh, he's Bell. I'm Daniel. We're gonna talk about um stuff that uh, we missed. Are we just first gonna... time around? Should I fire up my uh, copy too and just? Uh, what? You what? No. Um, we're talking about House In of Wax. Uh, we're talking and, about uh, what? I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, I guess I should pay attention. <laughs> uh, it is hard to talk about it, anything that is, you know what? This is not House of Wax related, but I'm actually kind of, I don't want to say disappointed, but I am as not enthralled to Mario uh, Mario Odyssey as much as everyone else seems to be. Mm. I just got to the world, it's the shiny plastic yep. plant uh, mm. uh, world, kingdom, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's gotten cool because there's like little, little stretchy bug dudes that you can turn into. But, like, the game kind of looks kind of gross and it's kind of disjointed. I disagree. Gameplay and just... I disagree. It's... I, I've put maybe, like, three or four hours into it, and I'm not finding myself, like, dying to get back to it. It's really weird. Hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm glad you're, you're a human a good monster. Time, yeah. I'm surprised you haven't beaten it yet. I have. Oh, well, fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How many <laughs> moons do you got? Oh, now I actually have to turn it on for not a bit. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, hold on. I saw Dan Anyway, Riker. we're talking. We're gonna. We're gonna be talking about House of Wax. <laughs> this should. Uh, what are you talking about? This is just proof of how enthralling House of Wax is. Apologies uh, to anyone who doesn't have, own a Nintendo Switch or what, care about the new Mario the game. Where is it? Where do you find your totals? Uh, yeah, because Dan Record said he found all the moons in the game that you just get through natural, just discovery oh, wait, stuff, and that was like eight hundred moons. And now he's spending all of his money to keep on buying new moons at all the little, the, yeah. the cappy shops. And that seems to be, like, an unlimited number of moons. And he's got, like, over 900 moons now. Uh, I am at, eh, eh, I got, oh, come on, freaking, get on screen. <laughs> Fascinating 316 video. moons. Wow, that's actually, that, that's far less than I thought you would have had by now. I guess you don't need yeah. that many moons to actually beat the game. No. Nah. Anyway, it's House of Wax, Vincent Price, 1953. Yeah. An early 3D classic. Um, I try to look up mm-hmm. uh, making up stuff about this movie, and there's almost nothing to find out about. Uh, you said you got the Blu-ray of this, and you said there were some pretty yeah. cool special features. Uh, I didn't have that. I just had my own uh, oh, okay. uh, DVD ripped copy from a long time ago, and there's no special features. And looking up online, <laughs> the only thing anyone ever wants to talk about this movie is the fight as to whether or not it's like the first major color 3D film. Um, mm. that's usually the one thing it's credited as, although I've seen a lot of people pen, pack, and point out there have been other color, like, limited release 3D films before this and stuff, but this, uh, this seems to be generally credited with kicking off the mid-50s 3D movie craze. Yeah. And, there was, uh, um, the, the special features, um, must have been right, this DVD must have come out right around the time Hugo was coming out, because they talked to Martin Scorsese, and they talked to, oh, uh, really? a bunch oh. of special effects gurus who uh okay. got this saw this movie as inspiration and stuff oh eh, actually, funny and they Hugo, showed how they he, showed how they filmed it and everything and yeah how they yeah. filmed house of wax yeah yeah because that's completely arbitrary i mean that. hugo is one of a thousand million other 3d movies that have come out in the last decade but like in terms of subject matter or theme or anything like that has nothing to do with house of wax it's very arbitrary well um, no, it's it's because he was he uh, the way he was just talking. He um, he said he made all everybody who worked on the movie watch uh, House of Wax because he wanted like that same kind of feel, I guess, or something like that. I huh. can't remember exactly. Because it's 
I've seen Hugo. I don't know if you've seen Hugo. I've seen I, I really no. liked Hugo when I saw it in the theaters, but I don't remember anything very like being very specific about like that's one of the interesting more, things. About more House the of feel Wax. than like like he wanted he wanted it to be the the feel of House of Wax where you like you huh. you really feel the three D, but more so. But by House of Wax, you mean it takes place in one set for most of the movie, and nothing happens, and then the whole ending is completely random. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the that's the aesthetic of House of Wax. So this um, is this is a unique experience for us, Bill, because I got to watch the movie in three D. Oh, really? How would that go? Yeah, it, it, shocking. The movie is much more watchable when it's actually three D. Oh shit. So were these yeah. the red and blue glasses from the like the eighties, or are these the actual gray Polaroid lenses from this from like uh, how the movie was originally released? No, it was my PlayStation VR. Oh shit! I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I can watch 3D movies on Talk it. Talk about watching a movie in a way that was never really intended, because that's <laughs> yeah. got to be way better than any actual 3D glasses. Because that's instead mm-hmm. of having to look through an artificial surface, you're just Ooh, so that was good? Yeah. Yeah, it was much better because you couldn't see how fucking blurry all the shots are like you can in the regular 2D version. Yeah, House of Wax. Nuts. If it didn't have Vincent Price in it, I don't know if anyone ever would ever give a shit about it. Um. So yeah, was, I'm, I'm glad to see that worked. Was that the first time you've watched a 3D film on your uh, VR stuff? Yes. Man, that is... That is some, like, Marty McFly Back to the Future 2 bullshit. Jesus Christ. And, I love uh, the image but, um, of you just sitting in your little VR hypno chair, <laughs> like mm-hmm, ignoring I your wife no chair. as the sound of Vincent Price's voice wafts out of your headset. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hello uh, there. But, but even in 3D, yeah. the 3D in the movie when they are obvious, this scene's for 3D, yeah. are fucking dumb and laughable. <laughs> is, does the 3D work very well? It's all right. Yeah. It's about as good as any other 3D. It's not what? like you're not like, oh, I got a duck. This ping pong ball's coming right at me. I was about to say, did you have to cower and hide your pe- your popcorn when the guy threatened to knock your tonsils out? Uh huh. That is the most gratuitous goddamn thing. That's the my that that is my one abiding memory of ever having watched House of Waxes. I always think that guy is how the movie opens, but no, that's just how the second act of the movie uh, opens. And yeah. also, this movie is like 80 minutes long, but it has an intermission. And the only reason mm-hmm. it has an intermission is because the film reels were so short when it first came out because they were using double. They needed to use double the amount of film because they were, you know, shooting twice as much. Uh, they were projecting twice as much film to projecting the, the two images that had to combine to, to, to create the 3D picture. And so the reels yeah. were only half as long as they uh, normally would have been. And so, yeah. House of Wax. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can you do those, a good Vincent Price impression? Nope, no, and nobody does. Everybody's Vincent Price. It's just kind of like this. It is, is a little bit like that. It's, it's, it's like Orson Welles, but being strangled, I guess. Yeah, that's. I've never heard somebody do a Vincent Price impression and go, that's a really good Vincent yeah, Price Vincent impression. Price it's always was, like, well, they're trying. Yeah, Vincent Price was such a very distinctive voice. Not, mm-hmm. not too fave, but still a little like, hello there. I always mm-hmm. think that he was, like, from England, but no, he's from, like, Illinois or something like that. He just, I don't know where he got that particular diction that he has, but it's always fascinating. And, yeah, God love, I, I, I love Vincent Price. It's, yeah, he's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, this movie would kind of be nothing without him. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the mm. whole reason why you chose this movie, too, because you wanted to tackle a Vincent Price project. 
Yeah. Um, I guess this is talk we should save for the end of the podcast, but uh, would was at least Vincent Price's performance in this movie strong enough that you would contemplate just blindly uh, doing another Vincent Price project without really uh, checking up to see what the movie is beforehand or anything? Or uh, I think I would always check and see what the movie is beforehand, because I know yeah. he made some turds. Well, that's the thing, because he did so many movies with Roger Corman that, like, people hold this up as being one of his better films. So, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like House of Wax, you might want to be really careful if you want to keep on uh, journeying through uh, Vincent Price's uh, filmography. So, so, I watched the movie twice, the first time in with the VR, and I obviously oh. couldn't take notes that way. And then I watched it again, taking notes. And uh, <laughs> The second loved- time through was, was not nearly as... Um, engaging is watching an actual 3D. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen your handwritten notes <laughs> that you would have <laughs> taken. <laughs> it just been like That's childish crawl. Um, mm-hmm. Something, something, Morticia Adams? Something, something, something. But, yeah. yeah. How's the okay. wax? Shit's in 3D. Bum, Those bum, credits bum. are going to jump out at you. Isn't it spooky? Yeah. It's, uh, you can totally tell it's supposed to be 3D because the title treatment and everything like that is doing that, like, the, the 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 opening credits aren't moving or anything like that, but like they're like drawn in like three D vision, where like there's obviously yeah. just be like popping out of the screen. I don't know if they, mm-hmm. like they really did that with the three D in the three D version of the film, but <laughs> just the way the credits look is kind of ridiculous. Uh, it's dark, rainy night. It's perfect time to look at some old wax sculptures. Mm-hmm. Very slowly, we gotta look at them all slowly. Take forever. Very get slowly. This room. With all the wax sculpture. Which, they're, they're kind of cool looking, but not that good. As much as everyone loves to suck Vincent D- Price's dick in this movie, it's kind of like, eh, you know, you get the point, but like, yeah, it's yeah. not like these, uh, it's not like these scenes are so lifelike that you're gonna get knocked off the, the your your ass because, oh my god, it's like you're being well, transported back in time or the, anything like that. But. There's no title card that says what year this is supposed to take place. What year is this supposed to take place? Because uh, they talk about how automobiles are starting to kill people. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot someone talks about, like, yeah, if they start going any faster, they're going to start wiping people out. Um, I think specifically on IMDb, they mentioned this is supposed to take place in, like, 1902. Okay. And the only reason they can specifically date that so much, because later in the film, uh, Vincent Price, is, he unveils a diorama he's made about, like, the first guy who was killed in, in the electric chair. And he says, like, oh, ah. this, this, this happened 12 years ago. I'm like okay, that dates. <laughs> That's your Vincent Price. <laughs> that happened twelve years ago. That's Perfect. I hate trying to do Vincent Price because I'm just it's uh, gonna be like a terrible well, like it, gay yeah, caricature. Oh, mine's not gonna like, be any better. You're gonna hear like that. my. You're gonna hear like fifteen different Vincent and Price impressions. Well, because yeah, it's good luck reciting any Vincent Price dialogue without least. You can hear his voice in your head, but you can't replicate it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. And 1902. Yeah. Okay. It's weird, too, because, like, everyone, like, kind of looks, like, dressed like Jack the Ripper-y kind of stuff, but, yeah, it's also kind of early 21st century. It's kind of a weird time period this movie takes place in. Yeah. We're introduced to Vincent Price. He's working in the back, sculpting some shit out of clay. Yeah. He's all dirty. Mm-hmm. His business partner comes in, and he's like, oh, we had a do- two underpaid emissions today was pretty fucking dope and his business partner's like fucking if you would just listen to me and start having horrible disgusting shit in here you'd be fucking be raking into money does he say 200 paid emissions or two yeah. 200 200 seems like pretty fucking good yeah it sure does how tiny that place is yeah um 
Yeah, that's at least like half a dozen people like every hour all day long or something like that at least yeah um but anyway yeah it's whatever it is it's not enough for uh vincent price's skeezy ass business partner yeah he wants him to put in a chamber of horrors but vincent price like shit's that's not my brand yo yeah i love beauty i don't like Mm -hmm. gross stuff his business partner uh what is his name like maddie i think something 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 soon to be dead dude He's got oh, twenty five thousand dollars invested, and he wants to see a return. Yeah. Vincent Price tells him that uh, his friend is bringing a wealthy art dealer in to look at his stuff, and if everything goes well, he'll buy him out. And there's a knock on the door. It's his, it's his friend and is uh, a rich dude who kind of looks like uh, Jerry Stiller if he hadn't melted at some point <laughs> in his life. If you put like a Ronald McDonald red wig on Jerry Stiller. <laughs> a little bit like it's just short <laughs> old dude. He's just got a lot of money. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. comes like swishing in and talking about how he he's going on vacation soon, but he just I I just must check out your know, precious works. Well, Price lets them. I uh, see. He lets he kind of lets him on know that he's a little bit crazy because he talks to the West figures and oh yeah, they talk back to me while I scope them. As here's John Wick Booth. Oh, he can't. He never an actor never shuts up. <laughs> he like starts petting John Booth's hand and he licks Joan of Arc's <laughs> face. And at least mm-hmm. this is actually a clever way of uh to Vincent Price to effectively monologue to the audience about his thought process and everything. It's essentially setting up everything that Vincent Price is before his life and his body are shattered and the events to come very soon. Uh, yeah. But it is kind of nice to see... This is actually kind of the highlight of the movie, Vincent Price just, like, fawning all over his own creation and stuff. Yeah. He shows them Joan of Arc. He just can't get her right face. You know, it's just, oh, I don't know. Maybe someday. He's got an exhibit but called sh- Mother Love? Which <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. It's like a mom yeah. with like a wicker basket filled with chocolate or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, his big thing is yeah, Joan of Arc. You can never get Joan of Arc's face right. So that's that. That's yeah. the one big sticking point. Is creators never never been able to nail that. Yeah, and here here's here's the man Marie Antoinette. He fucking loves the shit out of her. She's super lifelike. That okay? Like that's some... a, that's the other one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Why, sometimes I swear I can hear her giggle when I'm having raw, passionate love with her. Incidentally, do you know of a good way to get wax out of pubic hair? Well, my beds are just smooth and matted down since 1972. <laughs> um, 1972? Wow, well, wait, they didn't even film, yeah. 1872? Like, 1872. Um, mm. I do like he does admit that this is his one... His one indul his one violent indulgence in the whole thing is yeah the not that you, not that you actually see <laughs> the, the, the violent sex he has with his wax figures. <laughs> Turns out he's actually made a wax double of himself just fucking the neck hole in in, in, <laughs> in the Marie Antoinette head. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> that so, he keeps uh, hidden. He's like, if this rich investor pays extra, he's gonna show him his extra special <laughs> dummy of himself. Yeah, he's, he's like, well. <laughs> I, I don't normally show this to anybody, but I'll show it to you. And he pulls back a curtain, and it's a lady with a super hot body, but it's got Garfield's head. <laughs> House of Bikini Wax. <laughs> <laughs> so Vincent Price tells the art man that his partner's not happy, and that's why he asked him there. He'd like to be bought out. So the dude's like, well, I might take you up on that offer if the price is right. My lawyers say it's all right. But I'm going to go on a trip for three months, and we'll talk about it when we get back. So they leave. 
him, I do the love part, before the, the rich guy the rich shows man up, his he tells his rich investor friend that, hey, I'm going to talk to this new rich investor. I'm going to see. I'm going to make sure that he buys you out. And the mm-hmm. investor's all like, well, you better make sure, because if you can't get that guy to invest like right now, you're in deep shit. And he's like, oh, no worries. Leave that to me. And then mm-hmm. when he's actually with the rich investor, he's like, oh, three months. Oh, okay, whatever. And he should not be surprised that his other, the, the, the previous rich investor friend's going to be pissed off about this. But that's exactly what happens. Yeah, rich investor guy, he's been like listening from up in the rafters at the, at the wax museum. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Vincent Price pretty stoked, but his business partner's not so much. He doesn't like that whole three month thing. Yeah, he needs so he the does money what now. He's got person. some in- indefinite thing that yeah, he needs his twenty five thousand dollars back. Yeah, so he does what any sane person would do and tells this Vincent Price that everything in the place is insured, so he'll just burn it all down. And Vincent Price is like, "Burn my children." Fuck the guy no, like whips out a flamethrower. It's so random because the guy doesn't even wait. I mean, well, yeah, to... Vincent Price is Vincent Price is like, no, 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 we won't be doing that. So the guy does what any sane person would do and starts lighting everything on fire <laughs> anyway. What an asshole! Like... He's like, I, it just takes one little match. It's not like he even pretends to light a cigar first and then th- and like goes, whoops, I dropped my 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 lit match on Marie Antoinette's face. He just kind of goes over and goes, oh, huh, see which mm-hmm. see which part of the stuff burns first. And he fits bits of prices all like, the fuck you doing? Well, like, there's, I, I don't know why I like it so much, but there's this point right when he lights the first one on fire that Vincent Price shoves him and he kind of, the guy kind of stumbles off to the, to the left and yeah. just lights another match and lights the one right in front of that he stumbled in front of on fire. He's literally like, I don't know why that bit of an arm's reach that he can torch me. right there. No matter what Vincent Price says, he's just gonna, <laughs> he turns into like, you almost get the feeling like he loves setting fires and this is just a fun excuse as much as anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that guy Vince- runs around. Yeah, lighting shit on fire. Vincent Price shoves him some. He lights some more shit on fire. Yeah, they punch Price, each other. He could have fought back harder at the beginning here, rather than just kind of like lightly pushing him, saying, "No, stop." Yeah, that guy knocks Vincent Price out for a bit and spreads more fire, blowing out the old timey lamps so the gas that comes out of them. Oh yeah, that's right. Up. Yeah, and then he also gets a whole bunch of liquor or some, or it's ter- maybe turpentine yeah. from. uh uh, Price's shop and starts uh, splashing that all around all over the place, so it really starts to go up. Which he's not doing a very what? good job of covering his tracks in terms of this obviously no. being a, no, no, no. like an arson. But yeah, yeah, he's he's lucky that invest like investigators back then were apparently dumb as rocks. Yeah, and uh, what he's a very casually evil man because he's doing this. He's just like yeah. You don't get the feeling that he's evil. He's just kind of like I want money. He's just, like, doing the least amount of work possible just to get all this shit burned, and then just kind of leaves, and that's it. That's not, yeah. like, cackling or giggling well, or anything like that. Yeah. Vincent Price wakes up to all his shit burning around him, so he grabs a pail of water, only to have old Captain Asshole punch him, and so they go off screen for two seconds, Vincent Price turns into a stuntman, and they keep having to fight in the back room. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Vincent Price tries to throw some water on a fire. It doesn't work. The other guy starts to leave, but Vincent Price attacks him. They punch each other some. Vincent Price stuntman tries to fall through some railings, but it doesn't work. Yeah. But so he has to do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. I, I just like that. And yeah. It's like everything's on fire. We don't get a take two. Keep yeah, the going. audience is here for 3D, not so much for the the the, 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 the amazing stunt action, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and during so, the fight, there's one bit, I don't know if you made a note of this, where mm-hmm. I think the bad guy, he picks up like a, a wax flail off of one of the exhibits and like tries oh, to yeah. chuck it at Vincent Price, except it goes sailing way over Vincent Price's head and hits the camera. Yeah. Just like smacks the top well, of the camera, which I thought was kind of funny. Well, that was intentional because they wanted it flying at you in 3D. Yeah. Well, no, but doesn't like it, 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 it like doesn't like head toward the lens. It's obviously like he meant to throw it, ish, well, throw it towards the know, camera ish, but like he accidentally accidentally actually hits the camera with it, though. Yeah. Kind of. Do you know how this worked? What? The 3D? Yeah. You get two cameras. Uh huh. Yeah. And, and you point them, you make sure that they're pointed at some kind of uh, focal thing together and the 3d not back created. then what's that not quite not like back then they uh, on the DV, uh, blu-ray they explained it. so they don't have two cameras side by side back then because cameras were they were huge yeah so it's it's probably why everything's blurry as shit in this movie they have two cameras and they put them inside this big rig so you can't hear the cameras hmm. and so this big metal rig and they have them pointing at each other what? And then they and then they have two angled mirrors that they would adjust uh, to like simulate the eyes. Yeah, because that that's makes why sense. everything's so blurry. Huh. So so when he threw it at the camera, it would have been more towards the mirrors than the cameras. Oh, that's interesting. Because yeah, because you think that would have been kind of risky to potentially damage the the cameras, but if all that was really was at risk was a mirror. Yeah. Well, that actually well, had... makes a lot of sense too, because even stuff with like the paddle ball scene later. Like, if there's a risk of hitting the camera, that's a bigger issue. But if he's just, like, ping-ponging towards a mirror, like, you know, exactly, he can break a mirror and they can replace that in a heartbeat, but... Yeah, and they, they, these, the, the cameras were in huge rigs, so they could move them around. Yeah, people couldn't don't hear realize... They could and shit. Mirrors are used for... Well, not anymore. But up until, like, the advent of CGI, mirrors were... Even, like, in the late 80s, mirrors were still being used for a lot of uh, photographic uh, special effects stuff. But it's funny to think that this entire movie was filmed on mirrors. That's, yeah, that's, that's I, mean, I mean, you noticed how f- blurry most of the scenes were, right? Yeah. I yeah, had a pretty low-res copy of this. Like I said, it was a DVD copy from 10 okay. years ago, but still, you can tell, yeah, it's, it's it wasn't the sharpest-looking movie in the world, but yeah, I'm yeah. sure, especially you watching in HD and 3D, you must, yeah, you must have been able to pick out every little imperfection in the film. Well, since the PlayStation VR isn't, like, the most cl- crystal clear, like, Yeah, image, but it's probably higher I, definition I didn't than notice I how watching. blurry it was, yeah. but once I watched it, the Blu-ray, like, on my TV, it was, I was like, whoa, yeah. some of this shit is way out of focus. Hmm. Um, That's really interesting, okay. Yeah. So... But yeah, fight, fight, fight. Fight, fight, fight. So, uh... The other guy leaves after Vincent Price falls through the railing and passes out for a little bit. He, Vincent Price wakes up, wanders around for a while, just looking at fire. <laughs> just goes through a door, taking a tour, thinking about memories, thinking about how fire yeah. can be hot. Mm-hmm. He goes through a door, the balcony falls over, and all the fiery shit and stuff and falls over. And what'd you think of uh, all the melting wax figures? That's one of the highlights of the films. Well, man, one of the other highlight of the films for me is too uh, going back to Vincent Price. Essentially, just monologuing at the uh, the, the the new investor uh, for like ten minutes of the film. It's also him uh, by way, it also gives him a chance to ex- essentially explain to the audience exactly how these waxwork figures are kind of made, which becomes a little oh, yeah. important. I later. put the eyeballs in up through the back and through the neck, which 
is really cool to hear about. As someone who grew up like uh, like always uh, starving for information about how special effects were done as a kid, I always thought that was kind of uh, interesting. But mm. it's great. That is, I well, this is the first time I ever watched House of Wax was it was like 1990s. They had like Tim Burton mm. host a special showing on like TNT. And uh, mm. this back this is back when Tim Burton was good, when people actually cared about Tim Burton's <laughs> opinion about anything. And yeah. I remember him very specifically going off about how one of his favorite movie sequences in history when it, when he was a kid was all the, the, the this this sequence in the film when it, well, uh, the, all the wax figures and their faces start melting off and stuff like that. And they kept on showing that over and over and over again during all the commercial breaks. And so yeah, the, this footage is especially like burned into my memory, and it looks really cool. Um, I like the I like the one that like most of his face has melted away except the eyeballs, but the center of the eyeballs have melted away, so it looks yeah. really fucked up. Uh huh. It's a little disappointing too, because you think everything's gonna look just like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where like there's the flesh is gonna melt off, leaving some kind of skeleton, even a yeah. Fake it would have been it would have been yeah. it would have been neat if they had had skeletons underneath. Oh, that would have been cool. You could have justified that by Vincent Price saying. I mean, the, the whole gag later in the film is, of course, there's actually is real bodies, but, like, he could have said that he gets, like, real skulls to, like, build yeah. the wax bases off of and stuff, but yeah, it is it is a little dip- disappointing when everyone's faces melt, and once, like, the upper skin kind of sloughs off, there's not much to see, mm-hmm. um, except for just, like, running wax and stuff like that, but, yeah, it's not, it's not quite the same thing as, like, watching a person melt, which would be so much cooler, but it's still pretty yeah. cool, though. You got hair catching on fire and costumes catching on fire, and it is, mm-hmm. like, one of the more hellacious things you'll ever see in, like, a 1950s horror film. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Definitely. This is probably so, the highlight of the film. Yeah. Time We're passes. only five minutes in. Yeah, time passes. Not sure how much. There's yeah. no way of knowing, but time. Yeah, there's a cross and there's... dissolve, and that's the only thing that lets you know that any, like any time has passed. Yeah, uh, and there's a bunch of really bored looking people dancing outside. <laughs> one of at a hoot and nanny, I guess. <laughs> they look like they hate life. Uh, <laughs> and the asshole that burned down Vincent Price Place is having dinner with some blonde bimbo. Oh yeah, played by Morticia Adams. Okay, yeah, that's that. That's the only real big trivia thing I could find in this movie, other than people talking about the 3D process. Yeah. Mm. Which, yeah, what, just a decade later after this, she wound up becoming Morticia Adams on the Adams Family 1960s television show. Mm-hmm. He says he got some sweet, sweet insurance money. Uh, and it took a while. I, get, I, don't, I wish I knew how long it took. Like, yeah. if it had taken three months, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> I just assumed it was like six months later because it's not Cause he so said, long. Yeah, he said he said it took a while to get the insurance money because they needed it. She they always want a body is what she ta- yeah. ta- says to him. I mean, this guy couldn't uh, wait three months to get his twenty five thousand dollars earnestly. So I could see for him like even like well, even actually three months would have been a long time to him. So yeah, it's probably been, eh, yeah. That's at what least I'm a saying, that would have been. It would have yeah. been amusing to me if they had actually made a note of that, and it'd be like, "You asshole!" Oh, that that. Imagine if it did that to. Yeah, cause. Yeah. It had to have taken at least three months for him to get that money, so he fucked up Vincent Price's shit for no reason. Yeah. Because it's not like they would have cut him the check like the next even, week or anything like oh, that. Oh no! Even back then, I'm sure in- insurance companies drug their feet in giving people money. Well, just even waiting for it to mail even if they mailed him a check the next day what <laughs> would have probably taken three weeks to get to him or three months to get yeah. to get them in the mail motherfucker i didn't even think about that 
Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to take her on a vacation. She wants to go to Niagara Falls. You know, to make him legitimate. <laughs> and he says, his response to that is, oh, well, why not? It might be fun. Oh, that's what you love... want to hear the guy yeah. you want to marry say. I guess it could be fun. <laughs> I do love he's totally into this chick until she brings up marriage and suddenly he's like, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> now I'm yeah. surprised he doesn't pull his collar out and let Steam on go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Roddy Dangerfield shit. Yeah. So that guy goes to his office, gets his money out of the safe in the wall and desk and stuff. Is I guess maybe just to rub it on his body or something. Yeah, I guess that's supposed to be the whole $25,000, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah, it just randomly gets the money just to remind the audience that he's he's evil and he got that money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, horribly burnt man is there waiting for him and promptly strangles him. Yeah. Well, that wasn't cathartic at all. No, remember me or anything. Yeah. Poop, poop, skadoop. This, this dude that's a total asshole. Just gets the lamest death. You don't even get to see him get strangled. Vincent Price is the burn man. Are, are you supposed to know that's Vincent Price? I'm assuming this is, so. I, this I is know one of my biggest pretty, issues with the film. Cause especially now I know I've audiences seen, were pretty dumb back then. Yeah, now that I've seen the movie a couple times, I think the whole reason that Vincent Price is in a wheelchair later, like the actual Vincent Price, is to throw mm-hmm. you off from suspecting that he could be the same guy same bubble fa- bubble uh, bubblegum face dude who's running around strangling people. Even yeah. though the, the guy strangling people is obviously just Vincent Price. Like this, Vincent Price is a very distinctive height and stature and everything like that. That's obviously Vincent Price intercut with a stunt double, of course. Yeah. But like, I, even in 1953, people must have been going, I can't imagine this would ever, would ever fool anyone. This is such like a non-secrety with- uh, plot twist that like, it just, it's was just it busy work. Was it supposed to be, though? That's what I want to know. I th- I'm sure from maybe from a writing perspective, when they first were cooking up the script, it was supposed to be. But I think either the, somewhere along the way, either in the directing or someone, maybe the director didn't even care whether or not that twist was preserved, uh, mm-hmm. that they just completely just said, ah, fuck it, who cares? As long as the 3D yeah, and- technology is working. Because, yeah, you can totally see how it should have been a twist, but it's not treated like a twist at all. Except for and the was, big reveal at the, when you obviously you see what like when friends and Price's face gets smashed at the at the end. That's yeah. that's but like even that that's not so much a twist as much as just like a horrifying horrifying image of an into of itself. So yeah, yeah everything else and the, like yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Keep your thought going. No, I'm just yeah, I'm just agreeing with you. I I, I like okay. even after watching this movie half a dozen times in my life, I'm still kind of confounded as as to exactly. Like like I said, at some point it was obviously supposed to be some kind of a twist, but I don't know at which point they gave up and just didn't give a fuck about it anymore. Because in the finished film, it's just such such a limp-wristed kind of eh, attempt yeah. at a twist that yeah, it's, it's really weird. And like I thought, this asshole that burned down Vincent Price's thing was going to be the main antagonist throughout the movie, and like maybe the Vincent Price <sighs> Melty yeah. Man was going to be stalking him through the movie and drive him crazy or something. But nope, just murders him. And I could right see, because he spends the whole, I, I, if if the woman that Vincent Price is chasing throughout the whole film was somehow tied to that guy, and that's yeah. how he was going to get his revenge, was fucking her up to get to him, mm-hmm. uh, the, I think the plot would be more interesting. But yeah, he kills the dude, who's obviously not that smart to begin with, in the first ten minutes of the film, and then everything yeah. else, else that happens after that is just kind of like, well, that sucks. Well, okay, well, what yeah. now? 
and then yeah, it just he strangles becomes, he strangles yeah. he strangles him for three seconds and then that guy dead yeah well then he throws him down an elevator shaft too right well yeah yeah he ties a rope to an elevator shaft hobbles <laughs> back into the office like all weirdly and he gets the body ties a rope around the dude's neck drops him down the elevator shaft if he wasn't dead before he sure, sure dead fuck now. is no exactly yeah this you know, well, I guess he leaves the, building... the body there so everyone just thinks it's a it's a suicide, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. This makes the building stair washer, which according to all old movies, every building had, scream mm-hmm. and run off. Well, well, why do, why is there always a, a chubby middle-aged lady washing stairs in all movies uh, of this, like, he, era? Did, did that say, I guess that was the thing. I guess somewhere, like, after 1975, they fired all those people in the country, like, they went on strike. It was like Reagan with the air of traffic controllers, and, and... Uh, Jared Ford called their bluff, and he fired them all, and never got rehired, and that just job disappeared from the American economic landscape, I guess. But yeah, it's very, it is a very specific, like, movie trope. But, yeah. yeah. But... And I guess, so did you, do you know anything about the sound in this? No, why, what's up? Well, it was, like, one of the first, like, they didn't call it surround sound, but it was kind of, like... Yeah, I saw that it was supposed to be some prints were presented in stereo, and that stereo version of the film has been lost since yeah. then. Yeah, and they also they also had like uh, speakers in the back, so like oh, there's okay. a scene where somebody throws a chair at the camera, and you could hear it crash behind you. Oh, so it was in like the one theater. of the first like surround sound things. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's and, really interesting. And they oh. and they did something weird with the screams in this, which is why they all seem so added later. Hmm. Like, the screams, like, were in certain speakers or Yeah, it was, like, one, maybe one of the first exactly. times in a movie like this, they went crazy with the Foley with the screams. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Maybe and it's like, all, the, they, all the screams sound like they were done by one person, even yeah, though they went all ladies screaming it. They went all Ben Burt and, like, added, like, fucking, like, screaming cheetahs into the human mix yeah. or something like that, yeah. Um, that, that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. It's, it's, it's cool to see they took that much technical care, except when it came to keeping the movie in focus. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else, though, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Matt Albert will return after these messages. Come a little closer, madam. I want to tell you about something your children will love. Monster vitamins. They're fun. They're screaming me. <coughs> Babbly back. <coughs> Monster mobile. <coughs> Monsters taste terrific too, Mother. Your children should get vitamins by eating right, but when they don't, Mother, Monsters and Monsters Plus Iron sure help. My children love them. Right, kids? Right! Now back to our show. So I guess it's later now. Later. the blonde he, he was seeing in the scene before he got murdered is talking to our now main character of the movie, Sue Ellen. Okay. Oh yeah, the, the, yeah. This is yeah. They're, the, yeah. they're putting. She's getting dressed and putting on clothes and stuff. I guess and they're, what they're happened the to her soup? Yeah. What happened to her super annoying voice that she was doing? Because she was all talking like this to early the point, in the movie. I they were but now two she's separate just characters. Yeah. Now she's just talking like a normal lady. I guess that's her. I, again, I think from a production was perspective, that, was, was there that may voice have been some kind of miscommunication back then? What's that? Was that voice supposedly cute back then? I would and not think that's that not was knives sexy in the voice. ears like it is now. Oh god! <laughs> oh god! I won't even think about that being very specifically bedroom talk voice. 
Oh my just god, go to your New- penis <laughs> is in my mouth! <laughs> you just go to New York back then, and all the girls are putting that affectation on their voice. Yeah, everybody's just walking around talking like this because it's adorable. Well, yeah. By that metric, everyone who watched Singing in the Rain, every time Lena Lamont opens her voice, should have just been coming buckets all over themselves. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah hmm. Hmm. Yeah, no. Uh, no. No. I don't want to think that, like, Harley Quinn talk. <laughs> Is inherently sex. I don't. I refuse to believe there's any been any point in human history where that was specifically <laughs> known as the sexy voice. Okay. I mean, it can well, be. She's... I mean, I'm sure there's some situations where it can be sexy on it, or someone who says things like that can be sexy, but like, it's mm-hmm. not sexy in of itself. It's not like you're sitting there thinking, "Okay, I just had sex with that pumpkin," but if that pumpkin could talk like House of Wax, I'd be so much more turned on. <laughs> no, that has never been thought before, but yeah. Okay. So, uh, Sulan's talking to her about how she was going to marry the guy who hung himself. Uh, and she mentions that, and she goes, Yeah, I was going to marry him. But, except she doesn't use that voice. But he hung himself instead. And I'm like, That was so obviously a murder. How shitty are the cops in this town? The I answer to that is. She feel a little dejected that instead of marrying her, he hung himself instead. You think she'd be a little more bummed about that and what that means about her relationship with him, but yeah, because he hung him literally what from her perspective, she went, hey, Larry, you want to go get married? And he went, whoa, walked up some steps and <laughs> hung himself. Yeah. Yeah. But and, and the answer to how shitty are the cops in this town? Not as shitty as you'd expect, but more shitty than you'd hope. Yeah. yeah and also after anything. Yeah. After Sue's like, didn't he hang himself? She goes, yeah, he always was such a card. Yup. All those card guys killing themselves for just the shit and giggles the wacky, on it. Well, he sure got our goat by killing yeah. himself. He sure showed us. He's, he's yeah. crazy that way. Oh, no, he's a wacky himself. card. That guy always killing himself. Wolf. You know, he, he, it was a suicide attempt every second Thursday. He just cracked us up that way. That, that, we just knew that that was his gentle humor. Yeah. Yeah. So she's got a date with a real gentleman. Except when he's got a couple drinks in him. <laughs> well, well. That's to be expected. Oh, is that the blonde is lady it? saying that? Yeah. Is it 1950s? Is it to be expected? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, this is... This is this little movie's, from a sociopolitical standpoint, a kind of riotous mishmash of 1950s weird shit and, like, what they thought people acted like in 1902. And so it's yeah. actually just like, I don't know what the hell's happening in this movie. This is, ugh, yeah. So Kathy, who's the blonde girl that's not our main character. Okay, yeah. Uh, she, said, she, tells, she tells Sue that, basically, you're not a whore like me. You got brains, and I've got, well, what I've got. Which, I passed I the pencil test. <laughs> <laughs> so she finishes getting ready and goes off on her date. Uh, also, Sue tells her, that she's got an interview for a job as a hat check girl. And Kathy's like, oh, I know the guy who runs that place. And she's like, oh, is he trouble? And she's like, no, he's fine. As long as you know how to duck. Things are seem dire around here. Which, Fuck. Does that guy just randomly punch his employees? I like, guess. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that in, 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 she, she's suggesting that the guy has a temper. And then maybe he yeah. throws stuff around. Which is still not great, but I'm assuming he's not. No. She's not suggesting he just randomly like, cold cocks people, but yeah, it's still like not good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So uh, she she Kathy leaves to go on her, or yeah Kathy leaves to go on her date and so long character never see you again <laughs> adios motherfucker that was, that was a pretty easy paycheck she learned uh, she earned all she had to do is pretend to hit on a a fat guy for ten seconds and then go oh my god I gotta go on a date and that's well I, mm-hmm. I wonder if they actually had to make her up and put her into the the Joan of Arc thing later or if that was just like uh, a face cast they took or I don't think so yeah. But anyway, that's neither here nor there, but yeah. Uh, and then it's nighttime. Sue's getting back. She didn't get the job. Landlady mm. wants her money now. Because yeah, she's laid on her rent. Yeah, Landlady is an asshole. So enjoy that story beat that goes nowhere. Yeah, and this goes on for a while where, like, Sue's all like, I, I, I'll get you the money, and the Landlady's like, well, you better get it now because you're not sleeping in this house until I have that money in my hand. And then yeah, and Sue has to like, go talk oh. to Nancy to see if she can borrow some money off Kathy. Nancy. Yeah, so she goes and sees Kathy. Or Kathy. Knocks on her door. But, oh no, she's all dead and shit in her bed. Oh no. And the, and the burnt man is there. Oh no. So <laughs> Mr. Bubblegum. Sue screams. She screams a bunch and bolts out the window. And struggles for a while with a waist-high gate. <laughs> it, it would not be proper for a fleeing lady to be seen climbing over a gate. Yeah. This is so, the result in the, the, the street chase that goes on for like a third of the film. Yeah, so the landlady's like, they come out of the, the parlor downstairs and she says, I te- or the landlord is like, I tell you the screen came from up there. And the landlady's like, well, let's go look into it. So the landlord shoves the landlady in front of him to go up the stairs. What a hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we get 15 minutes of the Burt Man chasing Sue around the foggy streets. Yeah, you get Fantastic. the idea that this is supposed to be one of the big tentpole parts of the film. It's supposed to be like mm. this tense chase in the foggy dark. And it's just like, yeah. they keep on walking around the same like 10 square feet of back lot, Warner Brothers back lot. <laughs> it's just like, uh. Yeah, it, it, it reminded me of uh, when Michael Jackson is being chased in Moonwalker. And they yeah, just exactly. Keep going down the same you know what, which may have been again. filmed on the exact same back lot, too. Yeah. Um. I keep on expecting Pee Wee to c- come stumbling out of the dark, looking for the, uh, the 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 psychic lady's little storefront, so he can figure out where his bike went to. It's that kind of mm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the landlord comes out of the the building that she lives in and blows a whistle. Some lady comes out behind him and is like, "There's usually a policeman on the corner." And he says, "I know. That's why I'm blowing a whistle." Thanks for explaining to the dumb people in the crowd what the point of that <laughs> whistle was. Fuck. Again, it's hard to tell if it, like, this is just because it's the 1950s or if this is just bad storytelling and bad filmmaking, but it's just kind of like, okay, I guess that's an utterance you can say, like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's basically but, him saying, he could have just looked at the camera and said, back in the old days, we used to have to blow whistles to get the police attention. What do you think would still be going on in the 1950s? It's not like they had all had CB radios yet, right? I don't, no, I don't, don't know. I don't know. So, uh... Sue hides for a bit on the streets, takes off her shoes, so the... I didn't think that was clever. Yeah. So the burnt man won't hear her running, and so she's very quiet and very sneaky, and runs to the front of a house, and starts screaming and pounding on the door as loudly as possible. Especially now that she's stuck in a dead end that she can't escape from. This is the time she chooses to get really loud. Uh Uh-huh. Which, the end result is exactly what you think it'd be. Well, he's he's coming, but then the some ma kettle looking middle aged motherfucker. Yeah, she wakes up, comes down, opens the door, and is like, "Why, Sue?" And then the uh, 
the lady opens it up. Sue comes inside and is all <laughs> crying and shit. And then a random love interest guy f- comes down from upstairs. Uh, and it's uh, supposedly the middle of the night. I'm guessing that's his mother who's all in her pajamas. But he's uh, in I a fucking full that, three-piece yeah. suit. And he's like, why, Sue? I was just thinking of you while I was master... I mean, sitting very still in my room. You know so, what? This is 1902 mm, by way of 1953, so... This might just be 7pm and all women have to be in bed by <laughs> by sundown or something like that. You never that's know. That's true. Yeah. So Sue tells them, Can I move my caddy? There was murder. And I thought of murder and he chased me, and I tried to get away. <laughs> and um, it was all very scary. I just, I just picturing with a little flash animated baseball hat on and everything like that too. I just want to be So, cops are investigating. Murphy. Murphy. Now we're at the morgue. Yeah. Uh. Kathy had been killed a couple hours before her body was found. She was drugged at some point, probably got slipped in her drink or something. And, uh, she describes at some point the guy she's going out on a date with and said he's distinguished with, like, gray hair or something. Mm -hmm. Is that supposed to be Vincent Price? I think that's the idea. Which, how how else would Vincent Price get close enough to her to give her the, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, the movie never really... This is the one that... (laughs) As much as the movie went to such pains to explain to you how police whistles work, like I'm kind of surprised <laughs> they actually took this leap of imagination and let the audience f- fill in that little bit of information themselves, rather than saying having the lady say, he looked quite a bit like the man who just reopened his wax museum right down the street in the same yeah. building that it was before, so they didn't have to rebuild the set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the two, they load her body up on one of the old timey morgue carts and take her into their body storage room. Yeah, it's just a room full of bodies. Which is really, uh, it's not refrigerated or anything at all. It's just, I mean, granted, it's no. supposed to be nineteen oh two, but still, like, oh man, I'm glad I don't live in 1902. and I'm glad I don't work in a morgue. Jesus Christ! Because mm-hmm. one of the, while well, the two guys that wheeled her in are leaving, one of the bodies sits up. And the guy, it really one sits of the, guys the goes, fuck hey, up, yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with that one? And the other guy says, it's the embalming fluid. Make some jump. It's one of the suicides. Just like a woman. Always have to have the last words. What is, stop it. Come stop on, movie. It. I know you're made Come 1953, on, but you don't have to be that 1953. <sighs> Do you think Christ. this is where... Where the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation got their inspiration for that scene where they can't sleep and have dreams. Oh. And then and then Do- Dr. Crusher sees all the bodies set up in the morgue. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that scene. Because huh, that, that is such a terrible episode that no one remembers anything from that. But like that is a very specific image. Yeah, I never thought about that before, actually. That's entirely possible. Because I, like... I could see the 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 Gazooks who who worked on that show being nerdy enough that like that 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 could have been a very specific, maybe not a reference, but a very specific influence that they were drawing on. Yeah, you're mm. you're probably not wrong. Uh, it's wh- I'm a little upset that now officially probably the deepest Star Trek cut reference that one of us has made is me and not you. Oh yeah, we can get. We, if you want to start an escalating Star Trek reference war, we can get into that. 
Oh, uh, I, let's I, see, Star I'm... Trek Morgue. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't I don't think that's a battle I'm gonna win. Wake up. Uh, so another body sits up, and it's all old Burno Man. Mm-hmm. So, which is a clever way he's... to like hide in a morgue. I mean, it's the most obvious yeah. way to do it too. But like, yeah, yeah. So he he comes over to her body, ties up her, ties it all up, and then starts lowering out a cardboard version of it out the window to two other dudes dressed yeah. the same as him. Seen over. Yeah, they really are dre- like they all got like got the same costume. It's not like two other guys who just happen to be just dressed in black, but like they all got the big, big floppy, loose brimmed hat. The same, like, little Jack the Ripper capes and everything like that. They look like they're trying to be their own little squad. Um, yeah. It, they, they, I, they seem to do it just to eat up a lot of screen time, but I do like how they really show elaborately how they go, uh, they go about the process of stealing uh, What's-Her-Face's body by, like, the, the what's, uh, Bubblegum Face guy wraps up her body. It's Vincent Price's character wraps up her body, ties yeah. it up, and they, like, throw it out the window and all this elaborate stuff, and even how he repels out the window once they've stolen the body, um, mm-hmm. it's I like this a little a little bit of a five minute heist that they show, but also there's a giant open window in the the dead body storage room. What's it got to be like to walk past that place? Yeah, I, I was gonna a, say like, a well, punch in the face of odors. <laughs> if you work in that building, like you want to keep that window open, but. <laughs> At the cost of the sanity of everyone else who lives and works in that neighborhood must be just, mm-hmm. especially, again, yeah, if it's not refrigerated at all, if I mean, that's just essentially I'm sure people, your corpse filing cabinet, like, yeah, it's not gonna... And I'm sure it, at ugh. this point, people are still tossing their bedpans out the window in the morning. Yeah, that's true. Just a shitty, stinky city. <laughs> people are still drinking their own urine for breakfast. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the next day. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah. So the next day, Sue's talking to the cops. Uh, he meant the cop, the detective mentions Kathy's body vanished, and she's like, "What the fuck?" And it's apparently been happening. Bodies have been vanishing all over the place. We're as baffled as you are. So uh, they're also like, "Are you sure you saw what you saw? That shit sounds like bananas. That fucking face. Nobody's got a face like that." And she's like, "Fuck yeah, I saw it." And they're like, "All right," and they leave. Uh, Sue Ellen and the dude named yeah. Scott. Her backup. Well, I guess I'm so used to Universal <sighs> movies having the backup romance person. I guess this is just the primary romance option. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which so, I I did see. I was looking at a report where the original version of this script was much more directly like lifting off of old Universal horror formulas, which is funny because mm-hmm. one of the basic things in, in Universal horror films is. You've got the main character who, who uh, is a bad guy, so you always need the backup romantic lead for <laughs> essentially for someone for his girlfriend to 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 still be in love with at the end of the film. And I can kind of see a, a different version of this film where that kind of thing is happening. But mm-hmm. you know, anyway. So now the non-melted Jerry Stiller shows up to a door and <laughs> knocks on it. And a uh, very young, very buff Charles Bronson answers it. And, Bill, can you tell me what the fuck happened to Charles Bronson in the next 20 years that made him into a human mudslide you saw in the <laughs> Death Wish movies? This is... He is so young, powerful, and spry in this movie. He does not look like the same, even genetically the same human being. I was like, 
that guy kind of looks like Charles Bronson. I looked up. It is Charles Bronson. I was like, motherfucker is yoked. What he's happened to genetically him? Genetically superior Charles Bronson in this movie. He's got, he's like the Khan Union Singh of Charles Bronson's in this movie. Which, yeah, as, as a kid growing up with Charles Bronson and all the Death Wish movies in the 80s, all I knew Charles Bronson is like this four-foot-tall pile of wrinkles <laughs> with the handgun. <laughs> and now seeing like yeah. the six-foot-tall bronze, like, shovel-faced god, I'm like, how is that the same, like, what happened? Did- he's, he's super vascular, like, his veins yeah. are popping out, his arms are super thick. It's not the like fuck? he got old, it's like he also got hit by a shrink ray. Or he chose wrongly at the Grail Knight's tomb or something like that. It's like that much of a transformation. And it's only like two or three decades, which, bad time kicks your ass. Vincent Price was in better health than than Charles Bronson was in the mid-80s. Was then- he made of wax in this movie and started to melt? <laughs> yeah, somebody hits what him with a broom here? and all his wax muscles pop off and he just turns back into little old, frail Charles Bronson. Oh my god, yeah, because if Charles Bronson looked like this in the Death Wish movies, you wouldn't even need a gun, you could just twist people's heads off. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Fuck. ridiculous, man. Yeah, it's, it's, well, this is pretty much the other highlight of the film in terms of, like, any kind of uh, making up trivia or anything like that, it's just, oh, hey, it's Charles Bronson, which I think he's also yeah. not, he's not credited as Charles Bronson, I think he's, like, his original birth name, which is, like, Charles Brokonsky or something like that, but yeah. Mm. He doesn't speak, he's mute deaf. Yeah. So but, the rich man shows the letter from that he got from Vincent Price, which has confused him because everybody thinks he's dead. This causes could this uh, be Bronson... three months ago? Is he just coming back from his trip now? Maybe I don't know. Because it's been a while. Again, I didn't the... think about this, but yeah, it's been at least a little while, and this it's, is obviously the first time this Vincent rich guy Price is... has healed. Yeah, it takes a while for burns to heal, especially when he's... you've been burned all over, like Vincent Price says. They've managed to. Uh, Kill that one guy, and he yeah. was already healed by that, by then. Uh, it's been long enough that he's sculpted all these figures, rented out this place, set yeah, them up. Yeah, that's a lot of production stuff going on. So it's been months, maybe a year? I think, do they ever, I don't know, I don't remember if they made I, I'm time, sure you're not really supposed to worry time. about it too much. I don't think the timeline's yeah. supposed to really matter, but like, no. yeah, it's just whatever the plot needs, you know. So, so... Rich dude shows Bronson the letter, and uh, he points and grunts. He's like, ah! so <laughs> well, rich guy gets. Because let- you just pointed out that like this dude thinks that like that Vincent Price's character is dead, mm-hmm. and even then Vincent Price shows up and is all like, "Oh, I'm pretending to be." Does he say that he's pretending to be somebody else now, or is that just a euphemism? No, no. Because his art show does open, and it's obviously he's still using the same name and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, I just got confounded so, by that one little... Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, so uh, he goes inside and meets Vincent Price, who's now in a wheelchair. And his hands are all kind of fucked up from the fire. He can't sculpt anymore. But they serve for ordinary functions. And Essentially, this he, is him just telling the audience, yeah, it's okay, I can still wipe my own ass. <laughs> yeah. But I just can't sculpt it like I could, yeah. Yeah, he's got two assistants. One is Charles Bronson, a deaf mute. And the other guy is some other dude. And I like this, the, the Charles Bronson's in the background, like, stroking a sculpture of his own face. Being like, <laughs> just Which, grinning like a fucking idiot. Well, even fucking Vincent Price has to tell the rich investor guy, he's like, oh, hey, look at Charles Bronson. All he can do is make copies of his own face. 
Which is yeah. <laughs> how fucking useless is this motherfucker? Unless you can have like all the dudes in your exhibit are going to be Charles Bronson. I know the guy mm-hmm. you know is probably good at lifting pallets of wax uh, around the shop, but like Jesus Christ, you know. Yeah. Also, if they were really hell bent on the twist being such a discovery that like the melted bubble face guy is also Vincent Price. You should go out of your way more to show that, like, Vincent Price can't use his hands at all. Mm. But instead, you're saying he can't use his hands, but he can use them. He can use his hands for everything, including shoving himself around in his own wheelchair. But he, for some reason, he just can't sculpt, which yeah. kind of takes away a lot from his being in the well, wheelchair. Also- and the deform- I don't know. He also says that he can walk for short periods of times, but it's exhausting. So he doesn't even need the wheelchair, according to him. He just it gets, gets too tiring. <laughs> he to just do got. He's, he's just like all the insurance money I got from my from, from my wax museum burned down. I got. I just never have to walk again if I don't want to. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it figures that Charles Bronson is a deaf it. a deaf mute. So I don't get to be like, e, I'm Charles Bronson. Oh, yeah, one Charles Bronson movie. I don't get to do blue collar guy <laughs> from The Simpsons. Which is funny, because I don't think, other than The Dirty Dozen and this, I don't think I've ever seen a Charles Bronson movie, so I only have to take it on other people's uh, testimony that that's how Charles Bronson actually talks. Because even uh, in Death Witch com- co- uh, commercials back in the day, you never see him talk. In the TV commercials, you're just shooting people. You'd hear, kerpow, kerpow, and then black people falling down, but that's, <laughs> that's all I knew about Charles Bronson as a kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just knew his Death Wish movies were on at like 1 a.m. Like, yeah, <laughs> every couple weeks. And grandpas loved him, but that was yeah. yeah. It wasn't he in? Was he in um, uh, the Magnificent Seven? Uh, the Dirty Dozen. I mean, he may have been. I've never dozen? seen the Magnificent okay. Seven, but I've yeah. You haven't? No, oh, that was one of my mom's favorite movies. Yeah, I've never seen the Magnificent Seven. I've seen the Dirty Dozen though, but yeah. It's got Yul Brenner. Yeah, I've never seen Westworld either, so I need to... I, I, I saw Westworld when I was too young to see Westworld. I don't remember anything about yeah, it. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my projects earlier this year, right after the Westworld TV show debuted, but mm-hmm. yeah, maybe before the next season starts. Brr. But yeah. So, uh... I've seen Seven Samurai a whole bunch, though. Yeah, well, good for you. That's a good movie. <laughs> hooray. Anyway. Hooray, hooray, hooray. <laughs> yeah. So... This time, Vincent Price is going to give the people what they want. Tons of horror and shit. It'll be wicked sweet for sure. He just needs a small investment of $30,000. And uh, so uh, him and the rich dude go down to the basement where they use a big-ass machine to cover plaster bodies and hot wax or pink bubble gum. It could be either of them. I don't know. It is kind of funny how Vincent Price takes him down to the basement opens the door, sweeps his arms out wide, says, Behold, our third and last set of the film. <laughs> I predict the finale may take place here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really just a big empty room with a big vat of boiling pink water in the middle that you're supposed to think is boiling wax. But, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, then Vincent Price shows the rich dude... Uh, his, the quote-unquote wax body of the dude that hung himself from earlier in the movie. Oh, that's right. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, shocking reve- reveal there. I, I, okay. Yeah. Ten minute intermission. <laughs> what is <does> nobody? <laughs> 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 
forgot about that. Um, so I guess maybe the ex-investor guy was just a silent partner in Vincent Price's business? Because otherwise you think people would be like, wow, it's kind of fucked up that your ex-business partner not only hung himself, but now you're, you've got an exhibit mocking his death in your new wax museum. <laughs> also, yeah. you think that would, by itself would bring up a couple questions from the police about like, huh, what was your relationship with this guy if you're so happy to celebrate his death that you both profited from? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Also, so mm-hmm. Vincent Price says he's pretending that he was dead, but then if he survived, wouldn't he have been legally entitled to at least a cut of asshole investor dude's money? Like, Because yeah. it makes it seem like asshole investor dude got all the money from the insurance. Ah, this mm-hmm. again, you're not supposed to be thinking that. That's not the point of the film, but like, it's still when you really start thinking about who, why, did what, when, ha- how, and where, it's kind of like, what? But yeah. yeah. Intermission. <laughs> that, you know what? I hate to say it, but I think that might be my favorite part of Monty Python in the Holy Grail. <laughs> just because that music is so stupid. And it's, it goes on just long enough for people to be like, oh, I guess it's an intermission stuff. It really is, yeah, exactly, music, yeah. The, before the movie starts again. <laughs> I just always picture this guy, like, swanning his hand up and down uh, the keyboard, and that's how he's playing, because that's what it sounds like, because there's no real melody on the... But yeah, anyway, intermission. So now it's time for the opening night of the House of Wax. As some idiot is using ball and paddles... Even when I was watching it in 3D, it was fucking dumb as shit. And this goes on for a while, and it goes on twice. Yeah. There's somebody, someone with a bag of popcorn. Close your mouth. It's the bag I'm aiming at, not your tonsils. It's the least sexy, dirty talk I've ever heard. Well, it's great because the movie grinds to a fucking halt. Not only do you have an intermission, but when the intermovie comes back from intermission, like, it's just a guy, at least in one or two shots, directly addressing the audience at home watching the movie. Well, in 1953, he's the audience inside the theater. Because, like, mm-hmm. he's, he's, you know, he's doing all of his paddleball tricks, and he's talking to the crowd that's, you know, hanging out, out in front of uh, Vincent Price's what, new wax museum. But then he really just turns to the camera and says, Hey, folks, how's your popcorn? Oh, and starts doing paddleball tricks directly to the audience. Because, you know, that's the easiest way to show, you know, to present the paddleball stuff to the audience is have him, like, especially perform to the audience watching the film. But, yeah, yeah. I do love He's like, yeah, I don't want to knock your tonsils out. I just want to get to your popcorn. And all this yeah, shit. It's I, so corny. There's, you know... I love it. It's <laughs> it's, it's always great. presented... 3D is always presented as, like, the shit coming out at you, but it rarely feels like that. The only times I can yeah. think of, like, it actually feeling like the things coming out of the screen was the opening credits of Coraline with the, the needle, like, coming out. I remember seeing that in opening night and people gasping at that bit, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, I just had the other one in my head, but it all it never once feels... Yeah, there, in, in, in all filmdom, in all 3D filmdom, there's probably been maybe three, like, half a dozen moments like that, yeah. Yeah, but it, and oh, and the uh, uh, the first time I saw uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience in Disney. Oh, really? Disneyland. Aww. Yeah, they did a really good job with that. Aww. But, but, uh, cause, but that was also set up so like you were, it was um, you were watching a a big movie, but it was set up like a stage, so it actually looked like you were watching like a theatrical performance. Oh, so that's kind of nice. It had yeah, the depth. Okay. It wasn't like a movie or anything. Yeah. But the, 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 
and it with this watching it in 3D, it didn't feel like the the fucking balls were coming out at me. It, yeah. It, it, well, that's the weird thing about how, at least up until the mo- most recent uh, wave of 3D films, like in the last decade or so, and even then, probably with half of those films too included, um, the the filmmakers weren't so worried about like depth within the frame as much as things popping out of the frame, which is mm-hmm. always going to be gimmicky and weird. Of course, you know, you, like there's a couple moments you would like, you know, in any kind of 3D film to have something feel like it's coming t- coming towards the audience, but. Yeah, the 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 other axis going things going away from the audience should be just as important. Yeah, the depth, and that's a big yeah. thing with even the, the Nintendo 3DS that hardware. Um, a lot of people talked about some of the most interesting stuff on that that uh, uh, on that hardware wasn't so much games trying to pretend like they're coming out of the screen as much as like being able to peek around around the corners, like the depth behind the edges of the screen and stuff. Well, that was kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And also, like, if you're more worried about the depth the, <laughs> rather than things things popping out of the screen, whenever your film is exhibited in non 3D venues, you don't get the shit like happens in this film where you're like, oh, oh, I, why are they, oh, the paddle ball? Why is this guy playing paddle ball in my face for five minutes? Oh, this must have been a 3D fucking movie. Like, yeah. I was just watching Friday the 13th, uh, part three the other day. And mm-hmm. there's so many scenes in that movie where Jason will squeeze someone's head. And their eyeball will pop out on a like on a stick out of their head right at the camera. I'm like, oh, I guess this must have been 3D, even though there's nothing. Yeah. You know, the movie never says anything about 3D within itself. But like, yeah. Ugh. Well, then some like uh, the the another reason that 3D was so effective in Disneyland was because they had like like when the there's a scene where that they make the dog huge or uh, the audience small. I forget which it is, yeah. but the dog like head comes out and looks at you and then it sneezes and they have these little things on, on the back of every seat, the kind of blue water at your face, <laughs> not guns. Yeah. So it's like the dog actually sneezed on you. And, yeah. Like, they duplicate thousands of rats and they had these little like uh, things under the seat that would whip the back of your legs. So it felt like rat tails. Oh, wow. That's fucked up. <laughs> that's only like William Castle shit there. That's that's I can see someone actually getting upset by that. <laughs> oh, there were plenty of screams. Yeah. But like with this, you don't like if somebody's like doing stuff and it's coming at your face, you don't get it doesn't feel like it because you don't just, feel like yeah. the wind whopping at you. If you're whatever. lucky, maybe the 3D works well enough that you kind of get the impression of there, there's some kind of like something coming towards your face, but it's not going to be like, yeah, it's still well, plus illusion, with the though. paddle balls. They're moving too fast to, like, yeah. register well. Mm-hmm. There's a scene later in this movie where they stick a spear through a door, and that worked all right because it was moving slow enough, but the paddle balls were just well, white blobs. Yeah, moving. and even going back to the, the needle coming out of the audience in the opening credits of Coraline, that's kind of a needle, not super slowly, but it's still coming out and pokes out slowly enough and then twirls around enough. You could actually, like, enjoy it or at least at least parse yeah. it like it's not just something like sh- literally shooting out in front of your face for a frame and then disappearing yeah yeah it's it's i don't know man no one will so ever that's all to say jaws that's all 3D. to say yeah that's There's... all to say this paddle ball guy is dumb bullshit <laughs> <laughs> i remember seeing jaws 3d in 3d as a kid and the movie ends with jaws breaking through a glass tank at like there's like this underwater research facility and it's obviously like mm. this toy shark like on this <laughs> on this motion control rod going coming yeah. through the glass and i remember laughing as a kid because like the 3d bar- barely worked because it was like the red and blue shitty 3d glasses kind of mm. 3d and the shark looks so fake it was one of those things where like 
just from a technical perspective, everything was breaking down all at the same time. <laughs> like, just how? nothing about it was working. But you know, Bill, how much how much would you pay to go back in time and watch that movie with Steven Spielberg the first time he watches it? Oh, Jaws 3D. Yeah. Oh man, I want to go back, film that, and have that film footage turned into trading cards that I could sell. <laughs> Half the trading cards would be just the progression of the look on Steven Spielberg's face <laughs> as he's going, what the hell have you done to my garbage? Oh my god. <laughs> he starts crying. At the end of the <laughs> film, he pulls out a gun. And he tries to shoot himself, but thankfully people knew enough to take the bullets out of the gun, but he's just dry clinging <laughs> into his mouth, and they have to pull it away, and oh, he whips it at the at the, the, the theater screen as the credits start rolling, and yeah. Jaws 3D is rough. Yeah. Oh my god, anyway, but yeah. On evenings like this, I like to curl up with a good book. The sort of book that lets the imagination run away with you. If you're like me and enjoy the mysterious and the unexpected, you'll love The Enchanted World. A fascinating new series from Time Life Books about the legends, myths, and folk tales of ages past. These are the books that let you fly along with those unlucky spirits condemned to haunt the world of the living. You'll find yourself in a world where valiant warriors battle fearsome dragons and scaly creatures snatch away beautiful maidens. Each volume brings to life so vividly those inhabitants of the other world, witches and wizards, ghosts, goblins, and avenging knights. Call now and enter the enchanted world with the first book, Wizards and Witches. <laughs> My favorite subject. It's an intriguing account of sorcery, spells, and deception. Other books include ghosts, fairies, and elves, and dragons. Painstakingly researched by the editors of Time Life Books, each volume is exquisitely illustrated and portrayed with masterworks of art. Each volume is superbly written and bound in luxurious fabric. Only remember, once you're lured into the enchanted world, there's no telling where your imagination will take you. <laughs> to order your first book, call now, 1-800-453-3900. It will be sent to you free for 10 days. Keep it and pay just $14.95 plus shipping and handling. Others will follow about one every other month. Keep the ones you want. Cancel any time. So call 1-800-453-3900. And now, back to Disney's DuckTales. So inside, Vincent Price is talking to the rich guy and is like, I hope you don't think I've gone too far hiding in that stupid, dumb bullshit outside. <laughs> and the rich guy's like, yes, it does make it seem like a bit of a sideshow. Yeah, yes, movie. Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah, the guy, the guy is really forward. He's like, yeah, it is kind of a shame that you've really turned your back against beauty. And the guy is really like, I was really hyped on investing on cool shit. Now you've just made a bunch of dumb shit. Then Vincent Price is like, ah, eh, fuck. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... Is that the, that, that's the last contribution from Rich Investor Guy in the film, right? Uh... Like, that story thread doesn't go anywhere? much. Yeah. He, he comes back very, very shortly. Oh, okay. Uh, for very briefly, I mean. <laughs> um... In his gold house. Yes. So, uh... 
three dames walk around, look at stuff. They're trying to add humor to the movie. They're not very good at it. Hmm. Oh, uh, that's right. They're just kind of good. This is the, the, this is the movie's way I of kind of reintroducing all the exhibits back to the audience. Yeah. Well, on top of the Vincent Price also, really, I guess he does give a, give the rich guy another tour yeah. of, of his new wax well, museum. He's, yeah, he's giving everybody a tour. He's rolling around giving Yeah, because you got, yeah, you've got a whole bunch of people there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's, I forgot because the girls are all like, ah, and they're all tittering and like being surprised and like, yeah, doesn't want like one of them faint at something or something. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, okay. He, and Vincent Price is like, hey, we're going to keep adding to this room with, and you'll, you'll see the chamber of horrors in your, that are in your local newspaper, like these cavemen. Look at that. Also, ladies, this is how your ancestors got their brides around, by dragging them by their hair. What's yeah. up with that stereotype, huh? Where'd that fucking come from? Fucking weird, am I right? And he does, like, really weirdly lick his lips and starts talking about how much he loves sculpting them, them cave titties. <laughs> and he's like, he, yeah, he just glares at the women and refuses to break eye contact in the really most weirdest, uncomfortable kind of way, yeah. Uh, he shows them really a, on the spectrum. He shows them a guillotine. Cuts the head off a wax figure. Everybody screams, except nobody does, because nobody's mouths are open when they cut to the crowd. Yeah. Oh, this is also when he shows up. Yeah, he has an exhibit of the first guy who got electro- electrocuted by the electric chair. Mm-hmm. All this shit, yeah. And he's like, here's a, a wax figure of uh, the torture of the rack. See how sexy she is? We let some of her tit flop out. Try not to masturbate to it. I dare you. Like, what, why is that lady on the racks so sexy-ish? I must have been taking notes, because I don't even remember that portion of the film. I, like, she's wearing a, just a sheet? Uh, I've seen this movie her, half a dozen times, and this second half of the movie, after the after the paddleball guy uh, episode happens, I, oh, even watching it specifically to take notes for this podcast, I always end up not totally checking out, but, like, everything everything after... The inner uh, after the paddleball guy is just a complete blur to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh... But yeah, I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I think Mother Love comes back, and yeah, it's well, funny how much okay. they kind of just recycle so many of the assets from the beginning of the movie back here again. But yeah, and yeah. it's obviously like filmed in the same location, the, the same set, and everything. Like, that. well, he he shows them Bluebeard, some dude who killed. His oh wife. yeah. Oh, this... and then he killed his eight wives, and that's when the yeah, one chick and, he passes and this out. This yeah. makes a lady faint. It's so hilarious. Um, and then Sue and Scott show up. And they run into the rich guy. I guess Scott and the rich guy know each other. Scott is also a sculptor. He's very good, apparently. Uh, Sue and Scott and the rich guy walk around together. Sue sees Joan of Arcs. And, ah, shit. It looks almost kind of, sort of, exactly kind of, sort of like Kathy. Yeah. She climbs up on the wood and touches it. Climbs down and starts to cry. I yeah, you kind of have to take it on face value how amazing these likenesses are, because, like, as a modern audience member, you're kind of going, oh yeah, I guess that kind of does look like so and so, but like, not enough that you're like, oh my god, that's amazing, that actually really is good, like objectively interesting sculpture. It just looks like a wax, uh, like a wax mannequin, just dressed like another character from earlier in the film, or so. Oh, not even, not really with Joan of Arc, but you know what I mean. It's kind of like the same makeup yeah. or something, I guess, but it's not like. Yeah, it, it's it's about as close. I mean, all of these the wax figures I think were done by one lady. Mm-hmm. 
Really? So, I mean, she, hmm. she was probably on a pretty big time crunch to get all of these. Yeah. So the, 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 that 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 being said, I mean, the 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 wax figure of the evil investor guy looks pretty good. Although he's being right. presented in exactly the same clothing and scenario that he was that we already saw him being hung in, so you obviously know who that is. But yeah, yeah, the Joan of Arc lady—it's it's, it's oh. not a bad-looking face, but like unless that unless that character was there, unless if if she hadn't been sitting there screaming and yelling about how much that looks like her best friend, I don't know if I would have ever picked up on the fact that it is supposed to be her best friend. But yeah, yeah, not that one, she starts one... kicking and screaming. She she's just investigating the statue now. She's. She's she's starting to get freaked out, but she's not yelling about it yet. Yeah, one thing I was going to mention um, uh, when we were talking about 3D uh-huh. uh, that we haven't mentioned yet is this was directed by a guy with only one eye. Oh, yeah. So it's it's a big 3D movie, and the dude only had one eyeball. And I've seen people suggest that that actually made this movie better because instead of worrying about the gimmicky value of the 3D so much, he was more worried just about the dramatic component of the film. Which yeah. we pointed out a couple times, that's one of the weakest parts of this film, but I guess it could have been more facetious all the 3D stuff. But yeah. yeah. It is incorporated Which... pretty well for, for its time, I guess. But... Yeah. Uh, I am sending you, right now, the, an image of the torture rack lady, just so you can remember it and see how almost naked she is. Oh, let's see. Okay, oh, so let's see. man, I really must have been blacked out. <laughs> yeah. There must have been something really good on Twitter for those five minutes. Because <laughs> I don't even remember seeing this at all. Like, mm, okay. Uh, and I, like I said, I've seen this movie a whole bunch of times. I don't know. I must really tune out during the sequence. But yeah, mm. anyway, yeah. So she climbs down, starts to cry, and uh, Scott and the rich guy come over and are like, What's wrong? Why are you crying, crybaby? And she's <laughs> Start like, teasing her. What's wrong? You gonna cry some more, cry baby? They start shoving her back and forth in between them. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not trying to beat her up, but she's like this little sister that they they're just trying to chase away so they can play uh, dirt ball. Yeah, what the hell's dirt ball? I don't know what dirt ball. Is. <laughs> I love it. It's like a Grandpa Simpson invented sport from the Depression or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christ, anyway. So she's like, that's her face. Why does it look so much like Kathy? And then Vincent Price rolls up and is like, perhaps he I can answer that. He rolls up fast, too, because she's all like, oh, she actually climbs up in the exhibit and she's touching the face and everything like that. Yeah. And you see him like, he he almost leave, like leaves a, a track of fire behind him. He wheels up so quickly. <laughs> and he's like, hello there. Yeah. Can I help you with it? He's anything? like, I just saw her photo in the paper and I got really rock hard for her face and wanted to use it as my Joan of Arc. I had to go out and buy a second copy because it came over the first first <laughs> newspaper I bought. Oh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? I shouldn't have said uh, you that. Don't think, you don't think she'd mind, do you? And she's like, nah, I, I just don't understand how you made it look so good. And he's like, oh shit, girl, you're going to make me blush. <laughs> he says that too. That's exactly how he says it too. And he does like this really <laughs> fake kind of like eye blinky gesture. Yeah. So Vincent Price finds out Scott's a sculptor as well. And he <laughs> like, shoots him. Get the fuck out of here. No competition for like, me. Let me see your hands. So Scott shows him his hands. And he's like, yes. Yes, I used to have hands like that. And I thought at some point in the movie he was going to cut Scott's hands off and, like, yeah. use them somehow. Well, doesn't he say, hey, why don't you come back here so I can make a cast of those hands or something like that? Uh, I think he just asked him to come back and, uh, like, sculpt for him. Oh, okay, or something like that. Yeah, he does make some kind of, like, offer to Scott, which never be. I thought, yeah, me too. I thought that was going to become a thing. But nope. Yeah. 
So it turns out uh, Sue looks just like his Mary Antoinette that he used to fuck. So he wants to, he wants Scott to sculpt for him, and he wants her to come back and use so he can use her as a model. So then Scott and Sue leave. I think and this is also where he mo- gives. I don't know if it's this or an earlier scene where he gives a big speech about how he, in order to properly bring these sculptures to life, he has to know that like the faces that they're based off of are, are living too. And so, yeah, they, they, they go out of their way to justify why he can't just, make, like, copy faces from anything else that has to be from living, uh, mm. living models, but yeah. So, uh, as Scott and Sue leave, and we get some more time with the amazing ball and paddle dude. He hits like, three balls oh, that's into right, yeah. his mouth. Yeah, it goes, yeah. And this goes on for a while, too, for a second time, no less. Just So he's using the paddles, he yeah. knocks one ball into his mouth. A second one takes out a third paddle, knocks that one in his mouth too, and that makes the lady faint again. What? what? Oh, just, just it's old timey people. Stop it, it. The movie's just trying to like, yeah, just a little bit of lightweight and is like, yeah, it's yeah, it's just that trying night? to be cute. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just agreeing God, with it, you. It's just shit, random okay. shit happening. Yeah. So after that comedy gold, it's time to get serious with some spooky stuff. Because that night... Well, that's why you need scenes like that, to kind of counter-level all the the spooky, creepy scenes that are going to rattle your imagination. Yeah, we need comedy scenes to to suck all the drama out of the movie. Also, if you didn't have the comedy scenes, this movie would be only 45 minutes long, and you can't legally exhibit a film that short. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So that night... Sue opens her window and puts out her murderers come and murder me sign out her window. So the burnt man's on the other roof, changes into a stunt man, and even with the makeup on, it's so obviously not Vincent Price. Yeah. And he jumps across into her room I after she lays Vincent down. I can't imagine Vincent Price ever actually eyes. throwing a real punch. Hmm. I'm not sure. And I'm not saying uh, that as like, oh man, Vincent Price is a big manly, beefy man like me, but just like. Yeah, I don't. Vincent Price doesn't even seem like one of those actors who like. He's usually in a big fight scene or something like that. You'll you, you'll have the actor throw a punch or two. It's only when they have to take a tumble that you'll you'll throw the stunt guy in there. And I can see with Vincent Price, the moment anything happens, he's like, you know what, I gotta go take a shit. <laughs> well, he was running around and all that fight. Well, he's running. That's what I don't know, man. Even then, half that stuff may have been a stunt guy. You never know. But yeah. Yeah. He's probably well, no, a lot of it magazines. was pretty obvious when it was a stunt dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Stunt guy. Uh, stunt guy now, that's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. The burnt face man comes in a room. Her sh- his shadow comes o- looms over her. She wakes up, screams, and he goes, <laughs> and runs away. It was, it was, it was too scary. I, yeah. it's, my heart, I clutched it. I said, oh, no. It is just like, oh, my God, this film is just gripping me and its icy claws of of suspense. Uh-huh. What's going to happen pulse, next? Oh, my pulse is racing. I was like, oh, oh, how are they going to bring me around from this? And the answer is some shitty can-can dancing. <laughs> Which, I do have to admit, if you're going to have a 3D film, and you got to pack it with shit just to show off your 3D-ness, setting it, randomly setting a scene in a can-can bar, in a dance hall with can-can dancers, not the worst idea. Um, yeah, but they're all, they're, like, like we were saying with the needle, they're all moving too fast. Yeah. Like, all I, the ruffles are moving too fast. It doesn't feel 3D. Better that than nothing. If yeah, I guess it makes more sense I'll, to do that than just have it take place in a normal bar, but yeah. 
outside I'm... of the one shot where the lady shoves her ass directly into the camera. Yeah, which hey, and farts. <laughs> yeah, Playboy hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> guys, guys had to take <laughs> the three butts whenever they could. Yeah, yeah. So Sue and Scott are watching, and she's like, "Why the fuck did you bring me here? This is <laughs> it's like, what gross. kind of place is this? Is this recently yeah. the Wild West? I know it's 1902, but it's not 1882." She's like, it doesn't seem proper, all those girls showing their talents. And Scott's like, shit, girl, with all those nightmares you've been having, you need to watch some old-timey whack-off material and watch me get an erection under the table to take your mind off things. Come on. Girls come running for <laughs> dude titty fodder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Suka starts talking about how Kathy only had one earring, and the wax figure only had one earring. How on earth could they have known that shit? Come on! Unless it really is Kathy? Oh no! So he's like, fuck girl, you crazy. But let's go talk to the police anyway. So they go talk to the police. And, Is it always the they, same two guys that she talks to and then show up later? And yeah, I just lost my place for half a second. That's why yeah, I yeah. was on. No, so they no, talk no, to like... the police who let her know that they gave Price a bunch of photos of Kathy because apparently they aren't making enough money and want to sell photos of the corpses to just random Which people off the, the street. Most, I think that's part of the reason why I check out this film because, like, the what? That doesn't make any sense. Like, how people act in the latter half of this movie just makes no fucking sense. It's all just, yeah. like, stuff to move the plot along, and it's not a very interesting plot at that. It's just like, ah, yeah. oh, whatever. Just so they're like, hmm. yeah, we gave him a bunch of photos, and Scott's like, there, you see, it all makes sense. She's like, Can we I give these crime so. scene photos to a random stranger? <laughs> well, so Sue and, Sue and Scott leave, and shockingly, the detective actually gets on the phone and asks someone to do some background checking on the House of Wax and the people behind it. Like, Which, that is, I am amazed. It's actual yeah, police work. Being yeah. done, amazing. It's, it's impressive, actually, that that the writers weren't like, ah, police are just dumb. Clackety clack, click clack. Which I don't. Does tiny that, do, do they actually? Does their research into uh, Professor What's His Face, Vincent Price's character, actually turn into anything? Uh, not. Is him, this no. like why the cops show up at the end later? Or? Well, yeah, it'll, it'll, you really do check out. Uh, so. Uh, the cops go and look at the wax figures at the exhibit, and they're talking about it and like, "Wow, really oh yeah, does they're look total like dickheads her. too." Yeah, you think you think that uh that really isn't her in there? And they're like, "Nah." And then they see John Wilkes Booth, and they're like, "Hey, this fucker! You put you take away his mustache. What do you think?" And they cover his mustache up with their finger, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, it does kind of look like that district attorney or something. I don't know." Yeah. And then some guy says, "Please don't touch the figures." And uh, you skipped over the best joke in the whole movie. I do because the guy, well, they're talking about how, well, yeah, like, yeah, John Wilkes Booth statue looks like some other guy, like, yeah, like Attorney General. And the one guy cracks mm -hmm. wise about how the caveman and the caveman exhibit looks like the brand new, like, district attorney mm. that just got hired or something like that. Which that I actually joke's so good, I didn't funny. even notice it. <laughs> maybe it's maybe I saw a different cut of the film, but like, yeah, I thought that was actually kind of funny. Uh, no, I think it's uh, the chief of police they even joke about. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. So, uh, it's levity. It's I love Price's it. Other assistant, Beardy McBeard face. 
Oh, and I, I forgot I, this is the guy who brings down Professor Chuckle yeah. Pants. Oh, I forgot because so, the whole thing, yeah. They're like, they're hey, where'd you up. get this guy's face? And he's like, the records from the library? You can go look at them and, and the photos there and whatnot. And they're like, why? What? Then they ask him his name and they say, oh, I'm this guy. I'm an engineer downtown. And they tell him they're an engineer, not detective. So they, they don't they keep him off the trail. And the cops leave. And then uh, Sue also shows up. And touches the fuck out of one of the figures, the Joan of Arts figure. Okay. And, like, scrapes it with her nails and oh, shit. Oh, yeah, she's, like, really digging into it. Yeah. And Vincent Price rolls up and is watching and is like, hey, oh, I don't blame you. maybe this is the scene where Vincent Price, like, skeets in, like, really quick. Like, hey, what are you doing? Well, he's like, hey, I don't blame you. I touch them all the time. Mm. Yeah, he's not quite assistant- so much doing these are my children routine, because, yeah, he doesn't want to raise that much suspicion about him. But, yeah. <laughs> So then his assistants show up, and there's talk about earrings, and... Well, she. And this sh- is a clever gambit, because I think she talks about, like, well, how did how did you know something? She does suggest that, like... She mentions something about both her ears being pierced, and they're like, oh, of yeah. course, yeah. What and it's, and like, yeah, Vincent Price is like, oh, yes, of course she had both her earring, earrings or something like that, and then she talks to the, yeah. the assistant who claims to have been in charge directly uh, in the sculpting of the head, and he says, oh yeah, he, again, he confirms the idea that there's supposed to be two earrings, but she still only yeah. has one, and then how would they know that she only had the one earring if they only had the one photograph that showed the one half of her face? Essentially, this is her way of sussing out the fact that these guys are lying about having sourced yeah. her image from the newspaper. Yeah, Which I thought was actually a little bit of clever. <laughs> Uh, investigative yeah. bullshit on her. So, uh, end. Yeah. Yeah. Trash. So they, then they sh- they they show her that they have her head in a box, <laughs> which like, is the way great way to change the conversation. Hey, yeah. I know you're kind of freaking out about your head being on that body. What if we show you your head that we could also put <laughs> on a body? So then yeah. the Vincent Price is like, Scott, let us make a wax figure of the sculpt he did of you. Yeah, it's good, but he tried to improve upon nature, and I don't think that's cool. I want you to be you, with all that flaw and shit. Come on, girl. I want you to model him for me, even with all that weird shit on your face. Come on. I noticed you got one big snaggle tooth, and your nostrils are fucked up, but I think that's (laughs) charming. We need more of that in our wax museum. Let me plaster your head with Paris. Um, He also does mention that the two... Two assistants have already fucked to death the first two attempts to sculpt her face, <laughs> uh, which like the, yeah she's she's not Gross. that's not the best news that she's heard all week. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, she I think she agrees to it or something. I don't know. Something she just or she'll I think, think about she just it. Doesn't goes, matter. <laughs> and then yeah. just like walks away. Yeah, it doesn't I think matter. She, she lifts her leg up just a little bit, lets out a squealing fart, then runs away. <laughs> <laughs> Which, hey, yeah. considering the situation, should be more than justified in doing. Jesus. Yeah. So the police bring the rich guy in for questioning. They ask him if he knows. This is later. Yeah. Uh, ask him if he knows anything about Vincent Price's assistants that he hired. And he's he doesn't. He's not very helpful. He just says names and something. Yeah. Uh, he, just does, kinda... he does mention that the one with the beard is a drunkard, but he's a really talented artist. And then he leaves. And the cops realize that the not Charles Bronson guy is from Sing Sing and was bailed out on parole, but he skipped out on parole, and uh, so they're going to bring him in for questioning. 
He was a really great artist in Sing Sing, would paint murals on his walls and stuff. Yeah, he did like the Sistine Chapel inside his jail cell or something like that. Yeah. Last Supper or something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, elsewhere, Vincent Price is giving Scott some pointers on how to sculpt the face. And, oh, you were deep in those lines on his face. Oh, what I wouldn't give for those fingers. Would you put them in my mouth? Just a little bit. Come on, put them in my mouth. Which? So, the face he seems to be sculpting is supposed to be Vincent Price's face? Is it? That's the impression that I got. Which mm. I don't know if that's supposed to be, because you'd think... I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Vincent Price would be weird enough to, like, try to sneak his own face in there somewhere, but, yeah. Yeah. So, Scott mentions to Vincent Price that him and Sue are going out for her birthday, but before he can go pick her up, Vincent Price sends him off to the flower shop to check on some diorama orders or some shit. Yeah. You know what I like. Pick out colors. And then that scene's over. And Ella's back at the police station. The cops have brought in the bearded guy who's going through alcohol withdrawals. Oh, and, I didn't catch that. Okay. Yeah. Among his belongings is a watch that has some shit engraved on it, like, To the Deputy of the District Attorney, 1903, or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, just, uh, it's, it's obviously doesn't belong to him. That's the Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the bodies that went missing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I wonder if that is suggesting that's the body that they got at the John Wilkes booth. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't remember exactly yeah, what the train so. of thought there, but yeah, it is. Yeah, this, this is the big link in the chain that the, the de- detectives need to start figuring yeah. this case out. Yeah, they want to know where he got it from, but he's like, I found it, I found it, I tell you on the train. Oh, I never met the guy, I never met him. He wants booze, but they won't give him any booze till he tells them where they got that watch. Scene over. Sue's waiting outside Scintillating. I am on the edge of my seat half unconscious. I know, huh? Yeah. Sue's waiting outside the waxworks, so she goes inside the spooky dark showroom. I don't understand she wa- what she's doing. Everything that happens from here on to the end of the film, I don't know why it's happening. Did yeah. she say something that she's going to go visit Vincent Price? She, she just barely well, she escaped in the scene before this. She knew Scott was supposed to be, like, working there or something. But then, like, but she already knows that shit is bad here. Or at least suspect yeah. something's up. And then she sh- shows up know. by herself, like, essentially sneaks in. And yeah. she shouldn't be surprised anything bad. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I don't understand her motivations at this point in the film. But anyway, but she does just walk into the darkened, abandoned, spooky-ass wax museum. Yeah. Not abandoned, she's, but yeah. While she's walking around, Charles Bronson closes the door and says, Nay, elect in here forever. Uh <laughs> Is, is his name's Igor, which I guess is a the callback to the original House of Wax movie because yeah. the character's name in that, which is also Igor. you know works as a Frankenstein thing too. But yeah, yeah. um, and I do fought- love the bit where he pretends to have to be a severed head, wax head on display yeah. while stalking her through the exhibit. That's mm-hmm. one of my and favorite he, parts of the whole film. And then, yep, she walks by it and then he goes, "Hey, ain't got nobody." <laughs> And nobody cares for I get that reference. Whatever the hell that little dance yeah Marty Feldman does. Yeah. Jesus. And there's a point. So he's a deaf mute, but there's a point where the floor creaks and he like dives behind something. How do you hear the floor creak if he's a deaf mute? Yeah, unless the vibrations in the creaking floor were enough that he could feel it through his shoe and he realized he must have produced the sound. But still, even then that's kinda Yeah. Yeah. And she's also a lot more calm than most people would be walking around a wax museum that's dimly lit that's with fucking terrifying figures around. you have reason to be scared of and suspect everyone involved in that wax museum. 
Yeah. Yeah. So she takes her sweet time getting to the back room. Yeah, this where is like 20 she's looking minutes. for this Scott. Like taking up the last third of the film. And when she goes into the back room where all the sculpting happened, there's some like legit creepy imagery. They just gloss over like the 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 portion of a face that's hanging from the ceiling. That's just like the nose up. It's just like the nose and eyes. And yeah, eyebrows. it's like a reverse mask, like like yeah. face mask of hanging just from like the yeah. ceiling. This is and like yeah, a half made slimy waxy flapper girl looking bust by the sink. Mm-hmm. That yeah, aside from creepy. The, the melting wax figures at the beginning of the film, this is definitely the most evocative, creepiest part of the whole film. And this, I mean, this is the most atmospheric part of the whole film by far. And it's literally yeah. like 30 seconds long, unfortunately. They yeah. could have done so much more with this kind of stuff in the film, but they just, yeah, they just kind of blow right past it. But it's still pretty cool, though. Yeah. She gets spooked, goes back into the main room, uh, where she goes back to Joan Arc. Climbs back up there and pulls the wig off to show, oh no, it's blonde hair, like her friend, not black. Oh no. Oh no, Vincent Price is there. And he's like, you shouldn't have done that, my dear. Uh, oh no, he's, it is, it is Kathy's body. It's Kathy's body under the wax. She knew it all the time. So Vincent Price stands up and starts advancing on her. She runs to the door, but Igor's blocking it. And... Also, Vincent Price is walking fine now. What happened to his burnt lope that he was doing when he's a burnt man? Yeah, again, this movie not being very consistent with betrayal of what the hell's going on with Vincent Price about what he can or can't do at certain times. Yeah, there's a point There's I, a I, point I, where he sprints yeah. up some stairs near the end. He flies up the steps like an <laughs> athlete. But then, yeah. I mean, they, I, again, at the beginning of the film, they do mention that like, when he's, I guess, pretending to be wheelchair-bound, wheelchair he does say, oh, I can walk a little bit. Which, of course, he's yeah. lying about everything else about needing that wheelchair, so it doesn't really matter if yeah. he's even, even... But uh, when, he's, just... when he's murdering the first dude, he's, wa- he's like, loping. He's all fucking limping and shit. Yeah, and he's trying to catch up Who to the guy. Who is he putting so that act like he's loping, for? Like, he's not loping on purpose. Like, he's, it, like, that's just how he runs. But then, yeah, then other times he's just, like, running that, like, as if, yeah, it's, you know. Again, yeah. I don't think from a directing perspective, Mr. One Eye would had <laughs> I don't think he had his eye on the ball technically. Um yeah. but yeah. It's it's So Vincent Price he tells her everything I've ever loved has taken been taken from me, but not you, my Marie Antoinette. I shall give you eternal life. And then she punches him, and his face breaks away, showing old purple nurple himself. This makes her faint. Yeah, this is easily the highlight of the film. This is like whenever you see trailers or anything from this film, this is yeah. this is the big takeaway. Yeah, her his face cracking apart. I meant to go back and slow this down to see exactly what his fake face over the <laughs> over the bubblegum warped and burnt makeup looks like, because I can't mm. imagine it looks too lifelike. And yeah. uh, of course, it defies all common sense because wax well, yeah, does not it, move like a normal human no yeah it, there's yeah it's 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 almost laughable that they even pretended like that's a thing that works although i do love the gumption of that just saying oh yeah no he just he just made his face look so good he's so such a good sculptor that the wax magically just looked and behaved just like real warm human flesh but yeah yeah but it is pretty cool so, it is a great scene just seeing a dude's face just crack like an egg and have another yeah. fucked up face beneath it is a pretty great visual yeah. mm-hmm Party. Later today, we're gonna party with Mighty Mouse. Right after Pee Wee. 
Hello, I'm Vincent Price. For many years now, mankind and his offspring have been searching for an alternative to peanut butter and jelly. After employing the latest methods in technology, the Peter Paul Candy Company has found the alternative to peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter with no jelly. Pure, creamy peanut butter dotted with Krispies, covered with pure milk chocolate, but no jelly. I'm sure you're as pleased as I am. <laughs> and now back to the Charlie Brown and Snoopy Show. And later he's got her naked and strapped down on the wax uh, table that the he uses to, for the wax covering thing that they set up earlier in the movie. Yeah, he's going to he cover gonna, in, in 5,000 degree molded hot candy. Yeah, he's going to dump that hot wax all over her. Yeah, also, Scott's awesome. outside waiting for her. She's running late, just like a woman. <laughs> Am I right, 1950s? Yeah. <laughs> oh, again, I have no idea what's supposed to be happening. Like, yeah, because, like I said, they did mention earlier that something like Scott and Nancy might, like, catch up, like, meet up together. So, but, I, yeah, I don't know what's going yeah. on. Uh, at the detective's office, the beardy dude is sweating his ass off, looking at that booze bottle. The detective pours a little bit and pours a little bit more. And he's like, all right, all right, I'll tell you what I know. Patterson was killed because he looked like Booth, dipped in wax. That guy's also wax. So is that lady. The whole place is a morgue. He'll do the same to Sue Ellen if he ever gets his hands on her. You've got to stop him. You've got to stop him before he kills again. So the cops ride off in the paddy wagon, and the bearded guy just starts pounding booze like he's Lon Chaney Jr. Oh, no. Oh, be no. be nice to Lon Chaney Jr. Um, <laughs> Why? Also, if everyone at mm -hmm. the wax museum is actually a real person beneath, shouldn't they all look kind of, like... Chunky and funky, cause like they've got this thick, thick coating of wax over their natural features. Shouldn't everyone yeah. have kind of like naturally kind of dulled features and everything? Like, like again, you're not supposed to be thinking about it that much, cause this movie kind of almost suggests that their flesh is being replaced by wax, cause that's the only way they would really oh, well, still and, look like themselves. But yeah, well, and also when when Sue pulls back Kathy's hair and her blonde hair is under there, that means her scalp is exposed. Wouldn't that shit stink? That's what I'm saying. You think, if anything, the process would be uh, Vincent Price w is using their bodies to make a cast to cast solid wax dummies from. Not just, mm -hmm. like, taking their bodies, scalding them, and essentially cooking them in hot wax. Yeah. And then just leaving them under. Because the even then, the bodies are going to weigh so much more. They're going to rot. They're going to stink. Yeah. <laughs> Blah. I could see even yeah. like I said, even if you could deflesh the skeletons and use the skeletons as a base to build up the flesh again or something like that. But yeah, this yeah, this makes no sense. But whatever. Yeah. yeah. So Scott goes inside, finds Sue's purse, starts to get worried, and then he's about to bash down a door, but Igor stops him. And in all fairness to him, he like points to the door and is like, uh uh, you gotta go. You got giga uh uh but instead, Scott hey, doesn't. You gotta leave. get out of here. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go, boy. You gotta skedaddle. <laughs> but instead, they're gonna fight in probably the most lopsided fight that's ever been put on silver screen. <laughs> oh. Fucking Scott, there's no way you're gonna win Scott, against. Scott, look at this guy. He's a fucking. <laughs> fucking just, just look at him. He's just. It's like a beat. His forehead is a bicep. <laughs> He, I'm surprised he just doesn't pick up Scott by the neck and, like, bash his head in, like, Bugs Bunny cartoon. Just, like, yeah, just pound him in the ground. Mm -hmm. Up to his neck. 
So at one point, Scott throws the most, this is for 3D punch I've ever seen. Yeah, because he like punches at the camera and yeah, yeah and holds it there for a little bit. Yeah. And they're both kind of th- like, I think Scott threw like throws a chair around and stuff a little bit like in the yeah. rocks. Kind of like, not throw directly at the camera lens where as we know now, the mirror. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're trying to create some dimensionality to the fight. So it's not just two guys throwing punches, like shallow punches, but like, yeah, there's some stuff being thrown and yeah, some objects flying in the air. So shocking everyone, Scott loses the fight. And then Igor loads him up on the guillotine. I do love this pretty ballsy, because Igor could just strangle him to death or snap his neck, but no, he's he's got to use the tools available to him in a way that would yeah. create a much bigger mess than necessary, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, Vincent Price is down in the cellar telling uh, Sue Ellen that the end will come quick. Shit's yeah. so painful, you're going to shock and die like crazy, whoa. Jesus, that's not a way to really soothe someone's nerves. And, he, yeah, and, and he, then he injects her with the same stuff that What's-Her-Face got uh, was tricked into drinking at the beginning of the film. Essentially, yeah. roofies her. Yeah. Yeah. And the cops show up just in time to save Scott to, from getting his head chopped off. This uh, is one of the things I did see uh, making of trivia was... Um, supposedly the actor playing Scott was like, they, they, supposedly that's, I don't know if it's supposed to be a real guillotine, but like, there was a real weighted blade and stuff like that. And yeah. supposedly even the stunt guild was like, you're crazy if they make you do that. That's nuts. Or at least you should, there, there should be a stunt actor doing this instead. But the director demanded that it had to be the, the actual actor and not a stunt guy because you'd see his, see him like getting out of the, the, the thing. So there's no way to really show, like hide his face. And mm. so I guess the director fired that actor. They were just going to completely replace his role throughout the whole film because he wouldn't do that one stunt. And I think the like the, the 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 stunt union was like they had to put their foot down or whatever and was like, no, like you have to keep him. And so they did the stunts and they did one take. And, you know, that one take is what's in the film. But yeah, it's mm. this sounds like some weird fucking sounds like the director was being a real fucking cock ass about this shit. But yeah, they pulled it off, and yeah. What do know. you mean you don't want to die? Yeah, come on, <laughs> this be is a man. Film. <laughs> Fucking Hungarians, jeez. So, uh, I feel like it would have been more interesting if the cops hadn't made it in time, and like his wax head rolled across the ground in front of him. But oh well. No, oh, yeah. Nineteen well. fifties, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, if this so were a Hammer ask, film made just a couple years later, you could have gotten away with that, but yeah. Yeah. They asked Scott where uh, Vincent Price is, and he's like, oh, he's in the cellar, and he asked Sue. So the cops start breaking down the door with spears and shit, purely so you can watch the spear come at us in 3D through the door. Exactly. Yeah, because you're going to knock down a door. Spear is not the thing you're going to use, unless you're going to like try to pop the hinges off with the spear using yeah. it as leverage, but yeah. So the music is crazy intense in this scene as the cops just kind of walk around and look in the back room and look at various things. It doesn't fit. <laughs> oh, they're just trying to get their bearings. They've never been to this part of the museum before. They don't want to rush. Yeah. They could fall and hurt yeah, themselves. Take the sights in. Yeah. That, that mannequin's not done. It ain't wearing clothes yet. Ooh la la. Look, it's like part of her face hanging in midair. That's mm-hmm. weird. This place is ooky spooky. Mm-hmm. So Vincent Price starts fighting cops at the top of the stairs and bottom of the stairs, running around, and he eventually gets punched into the hot vet wax vat. Punched by a total Man. rando, because you think it would be Scott or something like that that finally takes him out, but no, it's just ra- some random guy that just socks him, and he goes through the railing yeah. and into the, the, the pink water. 
Yeah. yeah. The lead detective covers Sue's naked body with a jacket and pulls her away from the thing, and things kind of explode. Pop, 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 pop. I'm actually kind of shocked that they even referenced the fact that she would have to be completely naked for this thing to work yeah. by showing him throwing his jacket over. For some reason, I'm... I thought I I even thought a movie made in the early 1950s would be too demure to even really even point that out, but yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, yeah, all the over. all the glass stuff. Exp- they never, I guess, maybe Vincent Price was like had to be there to keep the the the, the temperature from getting too high, and because he's being boiled alive in in his own stuff, like it does everything starts to explode for no reason, and yeah, yeah, I don't know. So uh, later. In a detective's office, they ask Sue if she wants to keep the head that 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 was the wax sculptor of her, and she's like, "Nah, that shit was super traumatizing, yo." But thanks for covering up my hot, naked, young, virile body with your coat. Yeah, you guys have no idea like, how PSD works yet, do you? <laughs> nope. And the detective's like, "Ah, oh, I just saw you weren't dressed too warmly. I didn't want you to catch a cold." And the other detective sneezes. Good joke. I. <laughs> funny it's just and again it's not really I, a joke as much as it's just a vague stab at levity which it's like i know okay. why that i know why that scene exists somebody on set found out that the other detective guy does a really great fake sneeze and they're like we gotta put that in the picture oh that's gonna be that's what we're hanging to the final the, the finale on it's gonna be built around your sneeze yep so Sue and scott lee Sue and Scott leave the detective's office. The lead detective picks up the bust of Bronson that they got for some reason. And he says, you know, by the time this guy gets out of Sing Sing, this head will grow a long beard. And he, and he holds it, it up to the, the camera, camera just for one last 3D. 3D like, whoa. The, the end. end. Copyright 1950 MXLXXLYYY. Universal Studios. Endings are hard. Yeah. So, Bill, I want to start a segment. We've seen so many wet farts of an ending in so many movies. I want to start about? a segment. Improve the ending. Let's come up with a better ending for House of Wax. Well, it's interesting. In order to make the ending better, you'd have to fix the whole movie. Like I said, you'd have to do... There's nothing wrong with Vincent Price's character, but you'd have to give more to, more motivation as to exactly what the main chickie is doing or what Scott is doing. Because they seem to, like... She stumbles into uh, Vincent Price's lair completely by accident at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. And even then, if there was some kind of poetic justice thing that happens at the very end, or if Vincent Price had maybe won or something, but like... So The ending is just like, Vincent Price gets busted, he gets overpowered, and then he gets killed by his own machinery, and it's just the most like... It's not the worst ending ever, but it's just like... Well, I I mean more. He's got to have a long beard and hold it. Oh, forward. you mean just even that specific thing? Yeah. So so my my thought process, and we're we you and I aren't writers, but we're as much writers as the people who wrote this shit. Exactly. Were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Man, I try, think, like you. So you're just trying to come up with a better coda, like at the end of the film. Then kinda. Yeah. I um, think uh, Charles Bronson should have noticed the cops coming and run away, and then. The fight with the police happened with uh, Vincent Price a little bit after you get a scene of them helping Scott or whatever. Yeah. And you, you, you don't see Vincent Price for a little bit. And then the fight with Vincent Price happens. Kapow, he gets punched into the wax. Ah, he dead. And then that scene ends. 
And you see them later at the morgue loading this dude fucking covered in wax, you know, all over his body. And then they start to peel the wax away. But it's not Vincent Price. Oh, no, it's Charles Bronson. Oh, no. So Vincent Price has survived? Yeah, he survived and swapped places with that dude. Yeah, sure, why not? Huh. That makes as much sense. Actually, I also like the idea that, like, Vincent Price has somehow managed to survive and swindle the cops by, like, they crack Vincent Price's face open and there's nothing under there. I thought about do, that, do too, but... Do a reverse of just the big reveal you just had, like, 15 minutes ago, and turns out I, he somehow I, managed to escape. Yeah, I thought about that, too, any, but I was again, like, eh, that's a little bit harder sense. to explain. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a little more just like, yeah, that wouldn't land with the same kind of punch. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I would also be tempted to, like, maybe, uh, one of his underlings, maybe Charles Bronson does manage to escape, and you get to see, like, maybe a year later, like, he's opening up his own wax museum, and his central figure mm. is, come see the dastardly murderer of blah blah blah, and it's actually Vincent Price, oh. but of course, he's playing it off, like, oh, it's a wax dummy, but you know it's actually what's Vi- Vincent Price under there, just like all of his we- victims. Oh, we could have finished the movie with the ball and paddle guy. Mwah! Perfect. <laughs> how, what the hell would... So, so it's the big final fight. Vincent Price duking out with all these cops. And it's, it's the paddle ball guy just wanders he in just, from out of He comes in off the screen hitting his ball and paddles. And it's those that knock Vincent Price into the vat. They just That's bonk him on the floor. And he's like, like oh, hey, Vincent Price, here, yeah. watch you. Oh, no, what have I done? The conk. <laughs> and then he's like, he, 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 he gets in a fucking medal from the cops and the gold key to the city from the mayor for taking out this this serial murderer. And he's like, eh, hey, <laughs> Smitty. And the whole movie's yeah, the whole ending of the movie is just about the paddle ball guy. Yeah, they give him the key to the city, and he just stares at it blankly and says, I can't believe I murdered a man. And then, (laughs) da-da-da, and... Yeah, he's he's worried now that he's killed. He's fractured his own, a part of his own humanity that he can never have have reinstilled in himself again. He can no longer Uh, be a whole human anymore. Yeah, I'll never be able to use the ball and paddle again. Oh my god, It's too much power for one man to have. Yeah, I think if you really wanted to make this movie better, I think even more just the the ending. I think you need some better structural, like better reason for like I I, I if if uh yeah Vincent Price were more if 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 his revenge plot took up the whole movie rather than just the first fifteen minutes of the movie because like once the guy who fucked him over is dead, everything after that is just kind of like well now it's just Vincent Price yeah. being an asshole. I know he's yep. supposedly he's been driven crazy because his life was destroyed and his body has been. Well, it supposedly has been destroyed, but you find out not really because he he just has bubblegum face, but everything else about him, he's like almost superhuman. So yeah. that from that perspective, it's like, OK, then he's really just upset that like like a dozen wax figures he made got melted when they didn't have to get melted. And so now he's just become a super asshole. Now he's going to sacrifice dozens of people's lives, innocent people's lives to fix. It's just like, yeah, yeah. House of Wax. I see what you're going for. But you're still kind of a mess. Yeah, it, like I said, it's better in 3D. If you can see it in 3D, if you have the means, watch it yeah, that, that way. Yeah, that would be, yeah. Of course, yeah, my ending is that you replace the, uh, the, the vat of wax at the end with a vat of chocolate, so now it becomes the house of snacks. Yeah. <laughs> um, Vincent Price, 
he opens up, he, he gets he gets licensed by H&R Block, so it becomes the House of Tax. <laughs> he starts up a toy factory where he makes toys. He converts instead of making wax, it becomes the House of Jax. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the bouncing ball. I don't know. <laughs> Still, yeah. I don't know. Things like that. But yeah, yeah it's, it's a fine movie. It's, it's okay. It's, I'm, I'm glad it got Vincent Price back into the, like, because he was gray-listed before this movie came out. And couldn't oh, really? Work. I had no idea. Yeah, he was gray-listed, and he had to sign a bunch of papers uh, to get uh, prove he wasn't a communist, and he had two offers. He could either... He would, there was either a Broadway show he was going to do or this, huh. and he chose this, and this was a big enough hit that he got rolls out of it. And... Oh, I had no idea he had other stuff going on, because I knew his, this has helped reinvigorate his movie career, but yeah. like, shit, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, They're on the, uh, the, behind the documentary on the Blu-ray, they talk to his daughter, and she gives some background on all that shit. Huh. That's, man, his daughter... <laughs> It seems like he seems like old enough. I'm surprised his daughter is even still alive, even though he only died in the early '90s. So it's only he's only been dead for less than a quarter century, but still. Um, well, the 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 Blu-ray is also like not a super recent release. Yeah, but still, yeah. Uh, I mean, on the back it says it's compatible with the PlayStation Three system Blu-ray. <laughs> so it's so. at least like a decade old. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, well, are did you are you going to try to do any more Vincent Price uh, uh, projects? You think as a result? Maybe of eventually, this, if I can find one that like is good. <laughs> yeah, like I said, there was all the Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. There's that. There's Edward Scissor or the Abominable Mister Fives. I think is the most well known, highly regarded thing after House of Wax that he's done. Which, I think yeah. that was a good, like, 15, 20 years after this. It's like an early 1970s thing. Um, but... Yeah, yeah I'm trying to... Unless you want to talk about Thriller or something like that, yeah. Or no. his... Vincent Price is fucking nuts. Have you ever looked up Vincent Price's, uh, Wikipedia page? No. Like, he... <laughs> you think Vincent... So I guess he was really into gourmet cooking. He considered, mm-hmm. he considered himself a gourmand. And he did all this fancy cooking stuff, and he, had, he even wrote a whole bunch of cookbooks in England and, and, and things like that. So you think the dude would have been a bit of a snob? Well, except for the fact that he seemed to have a pretty funny sense of humor and loved being in a bunch of campy horror films. But then he was also a huge roller coaster fan, and he narrated a bunch of roller hmm. coaster documentaries. And so <laughs> that dude, Vincent Price, had layers. Yeah. Not just because you fell into a vat of wax, but like, mm. yeah, dude definitely had an interesting personality. I'm, I'm glad he was around, and I'm glad he was able to contribute so much to the world of film. Uh, oh, yeah, he's also like in one of the sequels to The Invisible Man, too. That was, yeah. I guess, that his career highlight before uh, before his career was highlight, uh, re- resuscitated by House of Wax. Um, yeah, doesn't he show up at the end of like the uh, Abbott, and Cost- Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein? Very, very briefly. Like, literally, yes. he delivers one line as the Invisible Man at the end. It's like the big twist ending yeah. to that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 1953's House of Wax. Yeah. So, Bill, what are we going to do next time that's not the thing that you mentioned to me earlier? I can't come up with something else on the fly! <laughs> but no, I'm going to commit no. to this. Hopefully oh, it's not terrible. Oh, that's never a good sign. Hey, come on. Uh, in the mood for love turned out to be so fantastic. How could you ever 
disparage my mm. taste in films. Uh, uh, because Thor Ragnarok is coming out just a couple days after we're recording this. Uh, the director of that, um, I've liked a couple of his other uh, films I've seen. Uh, the director of uh, Thor Ragnarok is uh, Taita Watiti. He's a New Zealand filmmaker who did What We Do in the Shadows, which is a really funny vampire comedy. He did what, The Hunt for the Wilder People, which is a really funny coming-of-age comedy taking place uh, in New Zealand. Um, I've okay. always heard really good things about his first film called Boy from 2010. Uh, and so I'm kind of curious to go back and check that out. And so that's what I'm going to be doing next time. Is it a comedy? I think so. I've heard, yeah, I've heard people laugh at it, and and in the way that's it's there's like it's intentional that they're supposed to be laughing at it. Hmm. So there, I just say the I've the dude dude is mostly known for comedies. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's only an hour and a half, so that's what I say. It's not that bad of an investment. It's either that or Gundam. That's way too much of an investment. <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. So, count your uh, lucky okay. stars. Let's see, boy, 2010. Just make sure we're talking all on the right page. Uh, yeah, comedy okay. drama slash drama. Great. <laughs> oh, it's also co-produced by New Zealand Airline. It's got to be good. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> Alright, well, Bring I guess there's that to look forward to. I'll be shocked if this is actually worse Bill than Mudrin, House of Wax. Bill Mudrin, bringing the hits. The, all the movies that everybody's heard of. Like, I mean, boy. I'm, I, I doubt paddle, uh, th that boy has a lengthy paddle ball sequence, but we'll see. Yeah, nothing brings in new listeners like saying, oh boy, a podcast about the movie Boy. No, but if you say it's, it's <laughs> one of the films where the guy direct, just directed the biggest film of, of, of the month that we're releasing a podcast, that's not the worst thing to say. Yeah, remember. Yay. Yay! Wonder how long I'll put off watching this one. <laughs> Watch this one in 3D, so good looks. <sighs> Alright, well... It says it's filled in New Zealand, it's wonderful! Just think of this as a really weird Lord of the Rings sequel. Meet the Feebles was filmed in New Zealand. <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that we'd been Meet the Feebles. Uh -huh. Oh my god, you know, I'm already counting stuff up for, uh, for awful April next year, too. There's so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we should probably end this podcast. Yeah. I so gotta... That was House of Wax. That was House was of Wax. Right. Yeah. Watch it in 3D if you can, it really improves it. More like House of Wax with the H. Whack. As in mm. bad. More like House of Ween in my attention? I don't know. Oh yeah. So Fucking wet fart of an ending of a podcast. <laughs> Just like the movie. Oh, this is the part where, yeah, if we're keeping with the Monty Python thing, this is the part where we should just be being arrested by the cops for having such a terrible podcast. Yeah, we just get launched off a bridge. <laughs> this is us well, trying to entertain you by just doing member this. <laughs> yeah, member this. That was a good yeah, part of a funny movie we saw once that was more entertaining than the one we just talked about. Okay, <laughs> I gotta go make a pot roast and take a poop. Yep, he's, he's mugging not on the, Twitter. The they're not turtle. both the same thing. I'm not gonna. I gotta take a poop roast. and make a pot roast out of it. He's <laughs> muttering on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Tardy Podcast on Twitter. Tardy Podcast.com. You gotta share us around like syphilis. Get us out there. Yeah, pretend we're, we're the biggest, fattest joint and uh, and, and, and we're joint? contagious. Yeah, pass us what? to the left. Yeah, the doink. Get the doink <laughs> out there. Get the doink out there. <laughs> this is your biggest, fattest, moistest doink. <laughs> Share us with friends. <laughs>
Everybody, until next time, keep filling your holes with pop culture. So long, everybody. Take care, guys. The end. And we never podcasted again. It's true. <laughs>